A good Thursday morning to you on this May 20th. Ryan Jesperson here. You're tuned in to Real Talk, whether you're downloading this, whether you're walking the dog this evening, whether you're listening to this on a drive out to the great outdoors. Maybe you're cycling 100K today. Maybe it's later. Maybe it's live. Either way, we're thrilled that you're here with us today. A great show in store. We've got a lot to get into. We want to remind you every single one of these broadcasts is presented by the team at Bitcoin Well. If you have questions about crypto, you can learn more simply by checking out the sponsors tab at ryanjesperson.com. And I want to let you know tomorrow morning, the founding CEO of Bitcoin Well will be joining us on the show right around, if you want to catch it live, right around 1040 Eastern, 840 Mountain Time. Adam O'Brien's going to get into it. Is Elon Musk seriously like voodoo doll controlling all of crypto? And if so, how can anybody possibly take crypto seriously? You know Adam's going to have an answer for that. Every time he comes on, he goes, give me the tough questions. I want the tough questions. That's coming up tomorrow right here on Real Talk. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. We're going to be talking to a former United Conservative Party MLA. He's now sitting as an independent after being booted out of the caucus. MLA Drew Barnes will join us in about a half hour's time. I'm curious to know where he's going to go with this interview. You know that that Drew has been happy to speak with us before. He's granted us interviews when when virtually all of his colleagues have said no. Not that we've asked all of them, but they're under a directive. And I'm, I'm going to ask Drew about this in about a half an hour uh, to not talk to us. It's it's kind of the style of leadership that we've seen from from Alberta's governing party. And I'm, and I'm, I'm really curious to see where Drew's going to going to you know or what he'll indicate to us what the remainder of this term looks like for him you remember he's he's elected to represent his constituents in southern alberta for two more years uh, for at least two more years and so what does the assignment look like to him how is he processing what what happened being essentially voted off the island survivor style alongside todd lowen his former colleague in that caucus. Uh, Drew Barnes is coming up again in about a half hour's time. You can send us your questions. We'll be keeping an eye on our hashtag RealTalkRJ, which is powered by the team at Park Power, of course. Uh, we're we're going to be getting a little later on into some of the images, some of the videos you've been sending us. It's been a, it's, it was a great past 24 hours for real talkers. You, you've, you've latched onto a few stories that we've been following or talking about or joking about, and, and, and you've been taking it to to another level. Why don't I just why don't I just start with this, Sam? Can can you tee up the saw for me almost right out of the gates? We were, we were talking yesterday about saws. Now, now, it was serious business out of the gates. We talked to the mayor of North Cowichan who said, you know, people are literally poaching live trees in some pretty valuable and not just valuable in economic terms, like valuable environmentally with regards to tourism, with regards to people's psyche. You know, the the land, the landscape, the, the ecology around that area, a beautiful, beautiful part of, of British Columbia. So many of you are saying we got to get out to the island. So many people were kind of dreaming out loud on our live chat as I was speaking with the mayor yesterday. It then got me talking about chainsaws, which then got me telling you a little bit about my mechanic, Wayne Paulson, who is a, a timber sport athlete. He's a professional 
he would never call it, he would never put it this way but he's he, he's a chainsaw artist is what he is and i was telling you about his his dirt bike motor powered saw and 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 we started talking about tim the Toolman taylor and giving you the oh, oh, oh. you remember where this conversation went yesterday well of course wayne's a real talker wayne pays attention to the show real talk is is playing in his shop while he and his team you know, Barry and Scotty and everybody are, are turning wrenches. Real talk's playing. So, so all of a sudden, what do I see in my inbox? But a couple of videos. Now, for those of you that are listening to this on the podcast, you're still going to hear the growl of this saw. You're still going to hear it first in slow motion. Then we're going to ramp it up for you. But if you're watching this on YouTube, buckle up, my friends. Sam, would you tee this up? And, and, and I'm going to tell you what we're seeing as we see it here. This is this is Wayne Paulson, an Edmonton-based timber sport athlete. Check this out. Oh, yeah. You see, it's got that low rumble in slow-mo. Now, what you're seeing right now, my friends, is a Yamaha YZ250 custom-built saw. That's a dirt bike motor powering this thing. This is 18 inch pine that he's ripping through down and then back up in less than seven seconds. Now, anybody who's ever run a saw knows that that is absolutely ridiculous. That is wild. A 250 cc saw. Now, you may go, okay, and, and you know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you're using your imagination. I mean, look at that thing. Look at the size of that thing. My son and I are watching The Mandalorian. This looks like something straight out of The Mandalorian. Sam, can, 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 we, now, can we now give the people, this is a real treat. This is Wayne Paulson's Yamaha YZ250 custom-built saw in action in real time if you have decent speakers at home go ahead and turn them up look at this masterpiece oh. <laughs> i just thought that everybody before we get into the serious business before we start solving the world's problems I thought maybe we might want to get into that and give a shout out to these are some of the athletes that don't see the spotlight. These are some of the athletes that are not getting paid twelve and a half million dollars a year. Sarah Hoyles, are you, are you feeling at all inspired here? I, I mean, I, I feel like the look on your face is like you're reasonably impressed. <laughs> you're, you're mildly impressed. Oh, no, it's impressive. No doubt. No doubt. The applications may be somewhat limited. <laughs> This is a highly specialized piece of equipment. It is highly specialized, but I appreciate the the passion, the commitment. Yeah, the very very well done. I think we can. I think we can declare, uh, with no disrespect intended to Sam and none to me, uh, that perhaps you are the most talented of of all the team members on the Tim the Toolman Taylor. Ha ha ha! Mine actually sucks, quite frankly. I, oh, yeah, oh now we're going game. That's, that's not bad. Uh, I'm going to rank it Hoyles, Brooks, Jesperson. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take the bronze medal on this one. I'm a guy that's just happy to be on the podium. All right. Top of the podium. I mean, folks. You're, you're, you're the top of the podium. You get your national anthem played. You get to, you get to stare at your flag. I'm just like, I'm the guy that's like, I can't believe I'm even here. I'm surprised. You know, there's always that bronze medalist at the Olympics. That yeah, just like deer in headlights. They're still blown away that they that they made it to the Olympics. 
And then they had the race of the performance of their life and now they get a medal and it doesn't even matter at all. It doesn't matter that it's bronze. That's an absolutely incredible achievement. I would do anything for an Olympic bronze medal. Are you kidding me? Everywhere you go get introduced as an Olympic medalist. Are you kidding me? We did something a little bit different this morning on the show and and I tweet out every morning, you know, around 8, 8, 15 mountain time. I try to be dependable, but not 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 too dependable. I don't want I don't want you setting your clock by my tweets. But before the show every morning, we let you know who's coming up on the show. And and we did that today. I did that today. But then we also threw a bit of a poll question on that same tweet. And so a lot of you were chiming in. As a matter of fact, you know, I posted it uh, 14 minutes ago. We've got like 160 votes already, which is great. Do you include pronouns in your social media bio? You know, he, him, they, them, she, her, whatever. Do, do you include pronouns in your social media bios? And then I asked you why or why not. It's pretty interesting, as a matter of fact. I'm not surprised at this point. I'm not surprised that the no's are outnumbering the yeses, but it's not a landslide. Out of every three votes, two of them are no. But on the optimistic side, if you're talking about this in a positive sense, one out of three people that are responding to this tweet have updated their social media bios to include pronouns. We asked you why or why not. My pal Kevin Jesus He and I have never really technically worked together, but we've both worked in broadcasting for many years. He's a beauty of a guy. He says, yes, not not just because I'm part of the LGBTQ community, but to show others that my social media is a safe space if they need someone to listen to or talk with. Jack wrote in and he said, I do, Ryan, because I've heard trans folks say it supports them. When people normalize the practice and it's small and it's easy, so why not? It it, it might make a positive difference for somebody. I also just realized that I announced this as Friday's Real Talk and it's Thursday. It's definitely Thursday. It feels like a Friday, though. I kind of I didn't think it was a Friday, but subconsciously, I obviously want this to be a Friday. Well, the the Oilers game last night, it just felt like. Oh, my gosh. Don't get into that. Okay, sorry. We were taught we were being positive. We were talking and now we're going to talk about the and then I got to bring you down and then and then Michael Bates, who's joining us is probably probably out of Toronto. Right. So, yeah, exactly. So the last thing I want to do is be talking about hockey when I go when I go to talk to somebody from Toronto. That's going to be a super annoying way to start. So let's not. So it's Thursday today, everybody. Thanks to Barry for the heads up on that. He says, so when you do tomorrow's show, you're doing it on like kind of like a second Friday. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Jax says I include pronouns in my social media and my email signatures to support the LGBTQ2S plus community. Rusty Robots, great name, says it's to show my support. Uh, knowing somebody's pronouns helps me communicate more respectfully, more thoughtfully with that person. Also, says Rusty Robots, a lot of hick idiots just seem to hate it. And that makes me laugh. <laughs> There's nothing wrong. With, nothing wrong with finding joy there. Cheryl says, you know, I want. Uh, I once went to a meeting where everybody shared their preferred pronouns. She says, on top of trying to remember people's names, I did struggle to remember preferred pronouns. Zoom has made that easier. A lot of people are putting it on their on their Zoom bios. Ryan says, I don't uh, because I don't have a problem with people assuming my gender. If they're unsure for some reason, I don't have an issue. If they ask me if somebody were to use the wrong one, I would simply correct them. Kelty says in my work email signature, I do and in my social media because it's zero inconvenience to me. It makes the world a more welcoming place. It is literally the bare minimum we can do. What about this one from a bikes? 
who says, because uh, even though my outer appearance and my gender identity align, I hold space for those whose gender identity is different from mine. My pronouns demonstrate that I am an informed, a safe and a supportive person. I want to read a couple more. We're getting a ton of these. I know it seems like I'm spending a lot of time on this, but that's kind of the whole point is we posted this 10, 15 minutes ago and we're getting a bunch of responses, which is great. Dan says sharing your pronouns matters a lot to people who are marginalized. It's a small thing you can do. It might not matter to you, but it matters a lot to members of the 2S LGBTQ plus community. Sorry, um, just over on the uh, chat, Kaylin makes a really great point uh, that, you know, now we're saying instead of saying preferred pronouns, it's just pronouns because it's like, no, that's it's not that I prefer it. It's it. They are my pronouns. Right. So it's just it's an interesting flag. The word preference has been if you think about it, people people used to say sexual preference, didn't they? Didn't they? What's your sexual preference? Yeah. I mean, you know, not in or, not or in like your, everyday uh, conversation. Like, so yeah. hey, what's your? Yeah, no, I'm trying to think of the other phrase, and it's escaping me. I'm sure someone in the live chat will hit me up. But there was there was also like, now sexual preference. There was also another like a weird way that we used to phrase it as society, where it was kind of like, anyway. But that's a great point. Where it's like, no, that's not my preferred. It, it, this is who I am, right? Now we're talking about this uh, not not simply just because Demi Lovato has. Has, has come out as non-binary and they, they made that announcement uh, the other day. Uh, obviously, high profile uh, Canadian actor Elliot Page had a lot of people talking and this this had had wound up on people's radar uh, because Elliot Page is obviously when, when celebrities or prominent public people, you know, reveal parts of their elements of their personal life. Um, a lot of people, starting with their fans, start to seek to understand a little bit more about some of these issues. Now, what makes this really interesting is Instagram, the social media platform, has just added pronouns to its bio. So you can see here kind of how it goes. This is this is just a new step. Now, this this may have been flying under your radar, um, but they, they, they tweeted yesterday, which always sounds weird. Hey, Instagram tweeted yesterday, but they you know add pronouns to your profile. The new field is available in a few countries with plans for more. Uh, prompted us to to reach out to Michael Bates with uh, P Flag Canada, a uh, national charitable organization. Michael, welcome to Real Talk. Thanks for making time for us Thank today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This I don't is... know how I'm going to compete with that saw, but I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> do, do, do you have anything you could do that, that would just absolutely <laughs> knock our socks off right out of the yep. gates, and then preferably in, in both slow motion and real time? That's that's kind of yeah. how we how we prefer. It. I was no. practicing my Tim the Toolman Taylor as well, but it just I I'll, I'll save us all the embarrassment. Would you like to? Because you might actually you, you might actually bump me up from last place. I don't know anything about how you're going to do, I, but I'll I'll gladly take fourth place. I I will gladly take it. <laughs> You're just yeah. going to take the white participation ribbon. Yep. The good news is you still get to attend the after party. So, exactly. so, so, so no problem. Uh, we're, we're talking about pronouns more than we ever have before. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your initial thoughts on all of this, the significance, especially of, of Instagram adding this, it might seem like a small thing. That was kind of the theme of what a lot of our audience members were saying. Seems like a small thing, but it can be big for people. Yeah. So I, I think it's, really about the representation that it, it, it brings up and it allows people that are a part of these, you know, gender diverse identities to see other people that are in those identities and, and have role models to look up to. You brought up great examples of, of Demi Lovato and uh, Elliot Page. So those are, those are prime examples of, of celebrities who have used this platform to really create a catalyst for conversation about pronouns and gender and 
even some of the, the comments that you were reading before, it's I fully understand, you know, I myself as well am a cisgendered male. So said another way, that means like my gender identity matches the sex that I was assigned at birth. So there's times where when when you're like, oh, well, my outward appearance matches my inward appearance. So do I really need to say this? Um, and really, I think the, the 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 point that I'd like to make there is it's about showing uh, that you have this propensity to have a conversation about gender and pronouns and you you are willing to create that space for other people to express theirs. Can, I'm going to ask you some just some super basic questions because I just don't want to take anything Let's for granted and, and, and people are going to be approaching this conversation, mm-hmm. listening to this podcast from all different backgrounds, all different types of perspectives. Why is this an important conversation? Take us into this. Do I call it a trend? I don't mean to, to, to devalue or, yeah. to, or to, to lessen the significance by calling it a trend, but we're seeing it more frequently now. Mm-hmm. I'd say the the importance of it and, and really the value that it brings is, is again, I just go right back to that, that representation that allows us to have these conversations. Um, and, you know, I, I think what's great about it is it, it creates a space where people can make the, the mistake of like, oh, I, I, I use the wrong pronoun for someone. But if we have an open conversation and it's it's fluid between two people and, and people are understanding and, and loaded with that base knowledge of what different identities are. So if someone says, you know what, I actually prefer the pronoun they, them, they, they understand what that means. Um, so it's, it's massively important when we see the conversation starting. And I don't think it's wrong to, to call it a trend. Um, I think uh, it's, it's definitely a conversation that a lot of outlets and, and, and media are picking up on. And I'm very happy that we're kind of expanding our, our view on gender as a society. I had uh, you heard it. One of our audience members, actually several of them, but Kelty in particular is saying, you know, not not only just on my social media, but also in my work email signature. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is that significant when when people are bringing it into the workplace? Yeah, so I will I will go at the most base level, even where I've had people in the past that have had uh, gender ambiguous names. So it is an easy way, especially in this digital world, that you can identify your your specific um, gender identity or gender expression. Um, and, and that to me is like the baseline. Uh, I think further to it, it, it allows people to, to see themselves, um, and, and freely express who they are. So it creates a really more inclusive society, um, across the board. Where would you characterize when we, when we uh, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, or we hear phrases like non-binary or, or gender fluid um, with regards to, you know, to, to general society's level of understanding here of the significance of this or or when meeting or encountering someone who may who may use they them pronouns as an example. How would how would you characterize where I mean, this is maybe a difficult question to answer where general society is at. I guess it depends who you're talking to, when you're talking to them, where they are, et cetera. But, but but where are we at with regards to a level of awareness and understanding? I think there's a lot of a lot of growth still to come from it. I think there's a, a base knowledge that majority of people have. I don't know if that knowledge is necessarily understanding, though. And I think that's the next step is, um, again, just going right back to the more recent news about Demi Lovato. Uh, it, it creates this conversation like it's it's allowing us to get more comfortable using these terms and uh, hearing them used frequently. So when you encounter it, you're more likely to understand what, uh, what it means. 
Can you take us through? Oh, you can, you can yeah. see this graphic we have up on yeah. our screen right now for for our friends that are listening to the podcast. Um, let's just read through uh, some of it. I mean, I think she, her, he, him, they, them is mm-hmm. is, is some or maybe I shouldn't take it for granted to say it's self-explanatory. But 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 there are some here that that people, even with the best intentions and wide open minds, may have really no idea how to understand or process what we're seeing here, like Z and Zer and yeah. Per and Pers. Can you can you help us understand a bit of this? Make some sense of yeah. it? Yeah. So one thing that I'll say right off the bat is gender is is a full spectrum. So there's there's you know for so long we've been in a world where we do only see that that binary of male female, and there is a full kind of gambit between those two uh, parallels. And when you see things like uh, they them uh, z more non-binary and non. Binding to a binary, uh, phrased very inarticulately there, I apologize. Um, it's, it just shows that there's a multitude of, of uh, genders, right? And gender identities. Um, yeah. This is, uh, it, it's, it's an area where I see, um, like, I think actually I want to check in on real time and see here because it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting when we have this poll going to be able to to drop in on it. I, I've been following along as well. To have see you? Some of the, yeah. So, yeah, yeah um, it's it's holding steady. As a matter of fact, the yeses are gaining some ground. I'll be curious to see mm-hmm. where this goes through the day. We'll leave it up for 24 hours. We can revisit it tomorrow morning. Um, 266 votes, 60 percent. Uh, six out of 10 say no, they don't include pronouns in social media bios, which means that 40 percent do. Forty uh, percent, mm-hmm. not a joke. Forty percent—that's a, a pretty big. That's you know, pretty if you significant. Take the population of Canada and forty percent of that population—that's a big number, right? So, ask me to do the math. Though. So, so where, where do you? Yeah, we have we have kind of like a no live on the show math policy. Although yeah. every once in a while we'll step out onto that thin ice. Where do you see this going? I mean, Instagram. I think integrating it, and not just integrating it, but announcing it. Yeah. Uh, the announcement. Hey, it has us talking. Right. It's got people mm-hmm. talking. Um, whether or not people people uh, integrate that into their bios, it'll be interesting to see. Where do you ultimately see this going with regards to public advocacy, awareness, expression, et cetera? I, I always see this as an opt-in. You know, anyone, the, the difference between gender identity and gender expression is that inward and outward expression, right? So someone might have a diverse gender identity, but doesn't feel comfortable having that gender expression outwardly. Um, and I think where I see this going is it's only kind of opening the door to people to live authentically and live their true lives and, and be their true selves. Um, so I, I, I'm genuinely excited. And, and when I see things like this, there, there's also other great work that some of these social platforms have been doing um, to, to stop some of the harassment that will happen for, for people that have diverse genders and, you know, being able to block um, accounts in perpetuity um, and and really create those safe spaces. Um, so I see the pronouns being added to profiles as the tip of the iceberg, but there's a lot more work that's also happening to ensure that these people who are expressing themselves also do it in a space that is safe for them. Mm. Uh, PFLAG itself, uh, PFLAG Canada, it, it's got an interesting root, doesn't it? Like how it was founded. Mm. I, I mean, I think that it, it actually fits quite well into this conversation um, not it, it founded by parents. Yeah. Can, can you take us into the history and how you see that playing out? I mean, most especially in the context of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's interesting about PFLAG is that to your point, it, it was founded by parents and, and what we've heard 
from a lot of parents, especially over the last few years, as as gender diversity has kind of become more prevalent and, and more uh, talked about through uh, youth and, and just people in general. Um, the language isn't necessarily there. So where where PFLAG fits in is we're a peer-to-peer um, system of, of parents and people interacting with uh, other parents and people um, to have conversations that are, are difficult and help learn and educate um, so that we're all creating that that more inclusive tomorrow. Love it. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for your advocacy. You. Appreciate your perspective. We always, I love this, you know, one of, it's, it's not my line, certainly. Michael Covey, I think, is the one that wrote it, but just simply seek to understand. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a, it's a pretty good directive to have a mantra, if you will, to, to walk through your day, and you're helping us do that today. We appreciate it. Of course. And and anyone that's in, in Alberta or across the, the nation that's listening, we have chapters all across Canada. So please check out our website if you're willing to uh to have a conversation with us there you go love it that's michael Thank bates you, so much. you got it michael bates with uh p flag canada and of course you can you can give them a follow on social media as well <laughs> keith keith writes in and uh keith owns and runs a restaurant we know uh a good friend of ours roy's place he says even this hillbilly cook updated his pronoun updated his bio way to go out of boy keith uh, <laughs> Natalie says I do to signal and and res- uh, that I respect and acknowledge yours. Colette says uh, she just updated hers. She says I just did. Um, Kurt, this is an interesting perspective from Kurt, who says I don't use them in my email signature because I think it's a cop out. We need to do more as a society, not just update our social media and feel good about ourselves. Which I know that somebody would fire back at Kurt could fire back and say, well, hang on, Kurt, that's step number one. That's the first step, you know, but Kurt also touches on something too, the, the idea of slacktivism. Oh, yeah. Right. Where we feel good. We retweet something and then we feel like we've, we've we, you know, like uh, stop violence in the Middle East or, or address child hunger or support supervised consumption or, you know what I mean? B- b- you know, back our healthcare professionals, tell teachers, you, can, you know, but really, you know, are we doing that much? I think it's baseline, though. I think it's about like it's the bare minimum. Precisely, it is the bare minimum. So, I have. I mean, LinkedIn. There is no field like Instagram has now created. Mm. So, folks are having to put it at uh, the end of their name, and so uh, that's one way people are doing it. Uh, conferences sometimes. Well, when we have conferences, if we ever have conferences ever again, please uh, have conferences again. <laughs> Please have events I can host again. Uh, you know, on name tags, folks will either decide to do it themselves or there's options to actually add it to the name tag. Uh, Facebook, not so much, but Twitter definitely in bios and now with Instagram launching. So it seems to be, you know, offering people are making it happen. And now platforms and, you know, different services are creating the actual field for it. Yeah. Um this uh, we've got a ton of responses keep them coming we'll, we'll revisit this through the show um i love the, the engaged audience nothing worse i mean uh, i wouldn't know but i would imagine there's nothing worse than a than, than a, a placated quiet boring white bread audience we do not have that we do we do not suffer from this problem 
We can barely stay on top of everything. It's a good problem to it have. It is the best problem to have. Can't keep on top of it. It's good. I, I see nestled in with all the other comments on my tweet about pronouns. This from Gina. Gina, I'm not piling on, but you asked me publicly. I'll answer publicly. Why is Drew Barnes on again? He shouldn't get the spotlight. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You don't want to hear from Drew Barnes right now who just got booted out of Jason Kenny's party? The renegade out of Southern Alberta with nothing to lose? Are you kidding me? You don't want to hear that interview? You can take the other three people that don't want to hear the interview and you guys can go have a picnic this afternoon. That's fine. You do whatever you like. But I'm looking forward to this conversation with Drew Barnes coming up in just a second. What the hell happened? What got him kicked out of the party? What? Not, not even a secret ballot either. Like talking about you, you want to talk about intimidation, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a party leader, what are you, you going to do to to intimidate? What are you going to do to send a message? What are you do, what are you going to do to keep all your MLAs on a leash? You're going to you're going to conduct a a public with regards to public. I mean, in the caucus, right? You're going to you're going to hang them publicly and you're going to say who's voting to keep them in and who's voting to kick them out. And of course, you'll hear a bunch of bullshit like, you know, oh, it was a free vote. You know, it was a free vote. They can vote. out. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just love that it, it was over text as well. Yeah. And being live tweeted. Yeah. By a conservative media outlet. So so like there are more leaks in this caucus than in some of the goaltending that we saw in some of the hockey teams. No, I'm just I'm not kidding. It's not an editorial statement. And I'm actually seriously not talking about Mike Smith. He's been amazing. I'm just it's just in the back of my mind. It's so disappointing. It was game one. The Oilers are supposed to beat up on the Jets. What's going on right now? Everything's going to have a hockey metaphor. Drew Barnes in just a second. Um, Sam, can, can we take a look at the tweet that I got yesterday? This this was one I sent you a photo. Um, my friends, I told you that that the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, the six of them at Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, Y Gardens and Baseline Road have their peanut butter parfaits on for a dollar ninety nine. You, you know, the one with like the the creamy soft serve and the rich hot fudge. You remember that one? The dollar ninety nine. Well, I love this tweet uh, yesterday from Brianna, who says when Jespo announces you can use his name at the Dairy Queens in Sherwood Park or Northwest Edmonton for $1.99 peanut butter parfaits, you better believe, she says, we're getting two. She says, also, by the way, they're two for four twenty. Coincidence? She says, I think not. She says, so there you have it, two for four twenty peanut butter parfaits. And so she starts this conversation on social media. And, and, and Kathleen says, hang on a second, is that extra chocolate? Because nothing gets past Kathleen. She says, I just want a cup of the chocolatey stuff and the peanuts. And Brianna says, yeah, I actually, I have my peanut butter parfaits made with the cone dipping chocolate because then it hardens and it adds a crunch. And then, and then Rona says, that looks so good. And Brianna's like, it's a game changer. And then the, and then the tweet just goes on and on and on and on. And, and then people are talking. Now everybody's customizing their peanut butter. Something is happening at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. Also wanted to remind you, the team at Park Power proudly powers our hashtag each and every day at Real Talk RJ. It's the hashtag we're checking through the show and through the day. It's the hashtag that trends across the country when we have these big interviews. Park Power reminding you at parkpower.ca that if you sign up right now to bring over your internet, your electricity, your natural gas, whether it's commercial or residential, the promo code 2021-REALTALK, is going to get you $70 off your first bill. Your first bill at parkpower.ca. Also a shout out to the team at Local Waste. 
Now, you know, tomorrow we're getting set for trash talk. I'm excited because trash talk tomorrow is good. People are taking us up on our challenge. I said, I said, it's fine to blow off steam and, and to sort of get it out what you need to get out on politics. Lord knows we've had enough fodder over the past couple of years. Oh, geez, since, since inception, it always seems like what's happening now is the craziest. But obviously, we've seen wild politicking for many, many years. It's just what what do we say right now? It's a it's a gong show, isn't it? Plus the pandemic and everything else and people have anxiety and it feels good to release it. But I've been challenging you to talk at RyanJesperson.com to, to give me something unconventional. Give me something creative. Who was it the other week that was complaining about people that don't wave in traffic? I was like, yes, now we're talking. You can send your trash talk in. We get to it at the end of every Friday show. It's presented by the team at Local Waste. Local Waste, their team does garbage math. What does that mean? Well, you got these massive, complicated, you know, liquidated damages, the cost from breaking a waste contract. You want to take your business over to local waste? They'll help you. They'll they'll take their resources and they'll help you understand how you can get out of that contract that has you handcuffed with that company that doesn't care one bit about your business. You can learn more about them at localwaste.ca. Drew Barnes coming up in just a few moments. I'm looking forward to that conversation. We have heard from a bunch of you over the past number of days uh, because we've been talking about a lot. We're talking about emojis yesterday and a whole bunch of you were in touch and we're going to get to some of that feedback, which was amazing. But our dive into what's happening, the violence in, in Israel, Palestinians and Israelis. Do I have to bring you up to speed on what's going on in Gaza right now? I think it's probably all over everybody's radar. An update this morning. They're talking about a, a, the potential of a ceasefire. And I know that some people are cynical, but it's a development that's worth a mention. We've had a conversation with a couple of Palestinian Canadians a fascinating conversation with a, with a doctor out of the University of Connecticut, which you can find on our YouTube page. Or, of course, if you subscribe to our podcast, it's right there waiting for you. It prompted Fatima to reach out. And she said this as soon as I saw the letter, I thought I've got to read this on the show. She says, after taking time to process the things I've heard today, she says, I'm, I've decided I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to write a letter. She says, well, an email, but you get my point. She says, as I've commented in your live chat before, having a racialized name has not afforded me the same type of attention that having a white name might. So I've never bothered. I've never actually written to an MLA or an MP or to the media before. Today, though, I write to you because something needs to be addressed. You decided to give space to a much needed conversation on the systemic and ongoing oppression of the Palestinian people in Israel, knowing you would receive backlash and quite likely be accused of anti-Semitism. You're not the only ones. Many politicians, academics, journalists, comedians, podcasters, commentators, celebrities, and everyday people are speaking out and speaking up in 2021 at risk of their livelihoods. She wonders, is it because of the horrors we've all faced in 2020? The collective consciousness we've gained after the anguish of, of watching George Floyd, may he rest in power, die in a slow motion. The anniversary of that coming up, by the way. She says the power of social media and seeing stories unfold in real time and on the ground. I don't know, but I do know that people are waking up and a lot of people don't like it. I also know that every time that people have woken up and fought back against injustice, there was censure, propaganda and pushback every time. 
We like to think we would have stood with the civil rights movement or against the horrors of slavery if, if we were there. But the truth is, many of us are afraid to speak up and against clear and obvious war crimes because of the threat of backlash in our own comfortable lives. I have a feeling that when, when you said that a real talker and a Patreon supporter accused you of reading one person's comments more than another's, it was probably about me. My, it wasn't, by the way. But she says that my name is not generic like John or Kim. It's Fatima. And, and my views often push back against privilege and they call people to question their own. So it wouldn't surprise me. And then she says, if I'm wrong, I guess I'm a bit self-centered. I love it. The self-deprecation says it's OK. I'm very incredibly used to being called out, shouted out and pushed out. I'm a Palestinian hijabi Muslim woman living in Alberta. I'm used to people coming for me and I'm used to pushing back. So I guess the point of this email is to tell you that I see you. I see what you're bringing to the table and I value it. Tough, uncomfortable conversations that are going to be had about Palestine need to be had from all perspectives. She says, though, I will say in my mind, there is no two sides and I will be there to argue that there is one awful thing happening that has to do with a people being systematically pushed off a map by a police state using whatever means necessary with complete disregard to human life. She says, steal yourself with two E's, steal yourself, real talk team, and continue to have those conversations. And though we may not always agree, we as a society can keep talking about it and keep pushing for the truth at the very least. And she says, I want to leave you with a quote. I'm not familiar with this author or this person. Is it Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie? She said, here's the quote. I am a person who believes in asking questions in not conforming for the sake of conforming. I am deeply dissatisfied about so many things about injustice, about the way the world works. And in some ways, my dissatisfaction drives my storytelling. She says, you can read this out loud or you can keep it to yourself. I just wanted to write my first letter. That from Fatima. Well, I've decided to read it out loud very clearly. Just another perspective. This is this is one person. We look at like our download numbers and we take a look and like how the YouTube page do and how the podcast do and how the clips do on social media and how's our how's our subscribers. You know, are we are we trending up? How many people are hitting like how many people are sharing our content? How many people are rating the podcast? You know, it's so important for us. Especially, Sarah, you, you're the producer of the show. It's your job to keep an eye on these types of things. How important is it that we remember that every single one of those numbers, every single one of those ticks, that's that's a human being. That's a person that is interacting with and participating with our conversations. That's never lost on me. This is a big time reminder. I, I <laughs> you just said it so well. I, like, I, I don't know what to add to that. I'm 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 always just taken aback by the. Uh, by the comments in the live chat, uh, the number of people that, you know, smash that like button and um, yeah, are downloading. Were you were you a little nervous? Were you just like a tiny little bit nervous when I put it out on my Twitter at pulling people about pronouns? Yes. Because uh, social media is a cesspool. Yeah, I like I <laughs> when I, you know, came up with maybe maybe we should ask this, Ryan. In my text to you, I was like, feel free to use this. Or not. <laughs> Got it. Or not use it at all, depending on how 
just I just I wasn't sure. But there's something about this audience. I mean, yeah. real talk is what is it? What happened? Where how how did we manage to find the most decent? How do we continue to find the most decent people in the world that that have agreed to gather every single day and participate in open-minded conversation? What is going on? I don't know what's going on. It fills my tank. There's this children's book that we read with Wyatt uh, talking about filling buckets. And like, are you going to be the type of person that's going to fill someone's bucket? Or are you going to be leaving people's buckets empty or at worst dumping them out? Mm. This audience fills my bucket every single day. Can comments are continuing to come in on pronouns. By the way, it's holding strong right now. The poll, it's, you know, about 400 votes now. And it'll be interesting. I, I bet we could probably get a couple thousand by the time that the 24 hours is up. I'll be curious to see if it holds. It's, it's kind of that like 60-40 split, which I'm quite surprised at. But what's really neat is watching how folks are saying in the live chat and on the Twitter thread that I'm changing it now. Having heard the conversation, seeing how it's not just about signaling and virtue, virtue signaling, signaling, right? It's actually about no, I'm I'm creating space. I'm saying, "Hey, I'm a I'm a safe person even if I'm, you know, my gender identity fits my gender expression, I I still like I see you. Um, and I'm open. I am open to the spectrum of genders. You know, I think it's going to be really cool is a whole bunch of people, myself included, because it's a constant learning exercise for me. A bunch of people are probably just going to take this in quietly. Right. They're just keeping an eye on the interview. They're going to hear the interview. They're, they're going to start doing some reading. They're going to do some digging. They're going to understand what some of the stuff means. Seek to understand and. And whether, whether it's by tomorrow or or whether maybe three years from now, they they reconcile with somebody in their personal life based on something like this. I just I, I think these conversations are so important. All right. Enough optimism. Let's talk politics. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Drew Barnes uh, has has been available to this show. He was he was here uh, uh, the first week that we were on the broadcast. And I'm grateful that he's agreed to join us again. The elected MLA out of Cyprus Medicine Hat was very publicly booted from the United Conservative Party just a short time ago. Welcome back to the show. How are you feeling? You got you got kind of a bit of a smile on your face. You holding up all right? Oh, Ryan, thank you. Nice to be on Real Talk again. Yeah, I'm holding up great. I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking towards the future. I've had hundreds of Albertans, hundreds of constituents reached out to me and, and offer me all kinds of support. Uh, it's been today's a week, I think. And uh, it, it's been a, an interesting opportunity. And of course, uh, you know, going forward, uh, let's not look in the rearview mirror. Going forward, let's uh, make Alberta the, the best it can be for all of us. I've got friends all across the political spectrum. A lot of them have worked or are working in politics, many of them for conservative uh, elected representatives, many of them for lefties. And uh, over the last year or so, everyone's been going, oh, Drew Barnes is going to get himself kicked out of the party or Drew Barnes is trying to get himself kicked out of the party. How have you was this intentional? I mean, how have you approached uh, your politics over the past year, year and a half? Or, or can I say, since you weren't included in, in Jason Kenney's cabinet, was that where it started for you? No, no, that's not at all where it started. But thank you for that question. It uh, th last Thursday, I spoke uh, three or four times to my colleagues, asking them to keep myself in the uh, UCP caucus, as well as support uh, for my colleague, uh, Todd Lowen. When it came to vote uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the day, I have no qualms about saying I voted for myself to stay in the UCP caucus as, as well as Todd. Um, what it comes back to, Ryan, to me is 
I'm not in cabinet. I'm not premier. I, I'm not part of the decision-making process. So my obligation, my responsibility to 50,000 people of Cypress Medicine Hat and to 4.4 million Albertans was to speak up, to hold the government account, um, to speak when they were on side, which I used to speak in their favor when we, they had a more regional approach to COVID lockdown and restrictions. But when they were offside, I started to speak up about it. I think back to, to when they changed the age payment date about a year ago and, and caused harm and grief and, and cost us money. Um, you know, the mental health, spiritual health, uh, physical health crisis we've talked about with COVID, you know, at a time in, in Medicine Hat uh, some time ago when we, we had hardly any cases, a regional approach made sense and other jurisdictions adopted it. Ryan, the, the financial situation, uh, the fact right now that Alberta has the highest per capita deficit of almost $4,500 per Albertan in all of Canada. Um, that concerns a lot of my constituents. So, so those are the kind of things that I speak speak up for. I I always go back to uh, I had had a great friend, Link Byfield. Of course, the Byfield is a his family is an historic Albertan family. Link about ten years ago at uh, Economic uh, Freedom Association conference had this great ten minute speech about how our Westminster democratic system started to go offside when government backbenchers like me stopped speaking up and started to um, wait for a pat on the head, waited for a cabinet appointment, waited for whatever. So um, I felt it was worth me taking the risk. It was what my constituents wanted me to do. And, and I think it was effective. And uh, I believe that this next stage uh, as an independent, uh, talking to more Albertans, particularly constituents, will be even more effective. So, Drew, you're you're kicked out of the party. You're voted out of the party. However, however, people want to phrase it uh, as is, as you mentioned, Todd Lowen, we did invite him to appear on the program and, and uh, invited him a few times. Didn't hear back. So we'll, we can take a hint. Um, but but there were more than you and Todd Lowen, more MLAs than that. As a matter of fact, 16 or 17, you know, signed a letter essentially calling out the premier, ca- calling out Alberta's response to the pandemic. And uh, it. it it caused quite a kerfuffle. I can imagine publicly. I can't imagine what it did behind the scenes. What separates or what separated Mr. Lowen and yourself from, from all the others that, that took the time to sign that letter. I mean, including the speaker, Nathan Cooper, right? Yeah, no kidding. Well, you know, uh, speaker Cooper and, and, and Todd Lowen, you know, I've worked with Todd. Uh, we were both elected in 2015. Uh, we were both uh, wild rose candidates prior to that. Uh, you know, when, a, when, a you know, when a conservative, a grassroots, respectful, hardworking constituent conservative like Todd Lowen feels the need to go public, and he went public that last Thursday morning, asking for the premier's resignation, stepping down his caucus chair because he, he wasn't having input. Uh, when, when somebody as respectful as Todd Lowen goes public, uh, calling for the premier's resignation, it tells you how far offside we were. So, We'd had a couple of caucus meetings uh, canceled uh, after that came out late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. Another caucus meeting was called for uh, Thursday about uh, 1230, which um, started closer to one o'clock. And by one o'clock, it was clear to me that there was going to be a motion for me to be ejected as well. Um, And I'll get back to Todd. Like, I was surprised. Todd 
called out the premier to resign. It had nothing to do with caucus. So I was, or little to do with caucus. So I, I was surprised to see the, the the premier and the motion from one of my colleagues was coming forward to have Todd ejected when it was more between the premier and Todd. Um, in my case, they uh, I, what I can attribute it to is, is, is Premier Kenny publicly said that he welcomed debate, he welcomed uh, different ideas in the public sphere, you know, and, and uh, apparently he didn't. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, so here we are, and, and life is forward. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grateful to my colleagues, a lot of them, th- those 16 others included, who spoke up strongly, saying, here's what we're hearing from Albertans, here's what we're hearing from constituents. Premier Kenny, you haven't met expectations when it comes to, you know, uh, getting us a better deal with Ottawa, jobs, the economy and pipelines, uh, when it comes to uh, COVID regionalization restrictions, when it comes to the mental health and the economic effects of the lockdown and they had the courage to speak up and and as they should and i'm grateful for that and uh i'm i guess now i'm out and they're not we'll see what the future brings so drew this is uh it was a public vote right in other words all the mlas know how everybody else voted it sounds to me like to, to be quite an intimidation tactic how would you characterize based on what you saw on your way out and i would imagine realistically your continued correspondence with many of your former colleagues how would you characterize the feel within the party right now? Do you feel like MLAs would, would have the impression that they could speak their minds, that they could represent their constituents, or is everybody walking in lockstep right now? Well, well, well thank you for that question. Yeah, actually, the vote, we all texted our new caucus chair the way we wanted to vote. Um, so it wasn't a secret ballot, the hallmark of democracy, but that's how the vote was was conducted. And of course, Ryan, the, the only purpose of the meeting was to to eject me and Todd. So, uh, you know, so that tells you, you, you know, the, the purpose and the direction. But I'll, I'll say this. Hundreds, hundreds of Albertans have reached out to me. And I know Todd's the same. And I know my colleagues when they spoke up have reached out and said, thank you. You know, we, you know, Albertans are saying they don't feel their voices are being heard, their ideas, their needs are being debated on the floor of the legislature. So these people reach out to me all the time and say, thank you for doing this. By the way, here's another idea. What do you think of this? These kind of things. And so what I suggest, Ryan, is, is my colleagues, the, the 60 uh, or so left in, in the UCP, have, have that same feedback. They have the opportunity to know that, yeah, it may be tougher with, with the premier and the, and the whip and the situation. Of, of caucus, you know, one voice, but there's there's hundreds of thousands of Albertans that feel that their voices aren't being heard, and and they're they're asking the 87 MLAs, the 87 people that are honored to be paid to represent 4.4 million Albertans, they're asking us to step up and speak on their behalf. So I hope my member, my former colleagues, UCP MLAs will continue to do that. Do you think that Jason Kenney will be the leader of the United Conservative Party at the next provincial election? Yeah, thank you. That's a that's an interesting question. Um, I th- I do believe this. Jason Kenney has to pivot or the UCP party has to pivot. Um, you know, we've seen polling where Jason Kenney is polling as low in Alberta as Justin Trudeau is. I, I just can't imagine that, you know, that that's how far, you know, El- he it has sank and how far Albertans feel that Jason Kenney has not ex- met expectations. Now, Ryan, we're two years away from the next election. And of course they say in politics, and you'd know better from your time covering it, 48 hours is a long time. So lots can happen, but but at this point in time, it's clear that uh, Albertans are not happy with with Jason Kenney. Albertans are, are looking for, for more freedom, more prosperity, more, more, 
more accountability and, and transparency. Um, I fall back and I'm so grateful to represent Cypress Medicine Hat since 2012. I fall back to the fact that in 2012, a lot of Albertans were saying to me, it's time for the PCs to be changed. By that point, I think it had been 40 years. Uh, but we want more transparency. We want more say in our government. We want to make sure that we help all Albertans and we help our families and we grow. So, so I believe that that democratic reform is very, very strong. And uh, whoever can find it uh, and help Albertans get there, I believe will be rewarded uh, politically. Drew, there, there's uh, Kenny's got a tough job right now because you know you 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 try to unite conservatives in Alberta, and and I mean you're a classic example of how. Uh, there's not one conservative ideology, right? I mean, you know, your, your perspective, for example, I mean, you're calling for regional lockdown measures. You know, a lot of I mean, you know, we can talk real, Drew. We've always spoken real. A lot of people were really pissed off at you for some of the work you've done, you know, organizing people in the southern part of the province. Like nobody's wearing masks. Everybody's gathering. The province is in the middle of a pandemic. A lot of people were really pissed off about that stuff. Um, and then you got people in the urban centers who, who would also identify as conservatives. They're donors to the party. These are people that, that may be more sort of like fiscally have a goal for the premier but they but they may want to see more of i'm going to say drew and i'll allow you to respond more of a science-based or evidence-based approach to 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 managing this pandemic they're saying we do need to lock down we do need to wear masks and and the premier's trying to keep these two factions satisfied which is is almost an impossible task you know i mean it, you, you'd get to the point where, where you might say what's he supposed to do to keep his own base happy, let alone the province. Yeah, th- thank you for that. But, but a couple of clarifications. Wherever I go in Medicine Hat, people are wearing masks. People are social distancing. People right, but not, very, Drew, very not, not at the rallies people and are, stuff. Are, we've, all, we've all seen the videos of the rallies and stuff like that. You know, nobody's wearing masks. Nobody's doing it. Well, there, there, there's, a, there's a group that comes out front of my office. There's groups at other rallies that, that don't wear masks. And yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's to me, that's an element of the frustration that, that so many of these Albertans are hearing. But, but I'll say this when it comes to, to Jason Kenney and, and, uh, and keeping conservatives happy. Um, a large part of it is our voices. You know, it felt like our voices weren't being heard. Um, you know, I think, I think back to, you know, I was trying to get many things on the agenda agenda for our, our weekly caucus meetings. I could never get them on the agenda. So how can I in good conscience go to, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith in, in Cypress Medicine Hat and say, I've tried to talk about your ideas. I wanted to present your ideas. We can accept a no. We, we can accept as long as we have a full robust discussion. And that was an area where, where the, the caucus had got, had got so far offside. Um, you know, I, I, the age thing jumped into my mind when that's a year ago now when the money for the uh, last year was moved into the start of this next year and and it caused hardship to the last group of people that you know to the people that Albertans want to help and uh, you know those voices were disregarded so it was those kind of things that that just led to a situation I mean we've seen we've seen the problem we've seen the premier run around and announce a lot of uh, corporate welfare and assistance Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, appointments uh, to um, old PC Conservative Party of Canada insiders. Those are the kind of things that uh, my constituents are very, very concerned about. 
those are the kind of things that my constituents want to see cost-benefit analysis, want to see where it's doing us good. Ryan, those are the things that I was asking for and wasn't getting. So, so what what do you do? Do you speak up in private? Do you speak up in public? Again, I'm back to, to you know, and God bless him, Link Byfield, he passed away three or four years ago. His great talk about the Westminster system is stronger when government backbenchers like me speak up, speak up in public and private, when when the media like you, the the, the fourth um, estate is stronger and questioning and, and involved. Our system works better when there's transparency, communication and accountability. Uh, of course, the Byfield family behind Alberta Report, the publication for many years. Uh, Drew, so, so how many of you are that like, let's say, you know, right. I mean, I you know who I hear from, like a lot of uh, the on the conservative spectrum of our audience. I hear from a lot of people that are start and it, and it's not lost on me. They're starting mm-hmm. to invoke the name Wild Rose in their emails like they'll sign off like a former Wild Roser or uh, I get this guy Marshall writes in an angry Wild Roser. He always signs off. How long do you think that that Jason Kenney or some other is, you know, another leader will be able to keep this party truly. And I, I can't even say the word united with a straight face because it's clearly not. Um, and I don't think that the premier has an easy job here. Uh, I agree. But but do you see I mean, let me ask the question in a little bit more focused of a fashion. Can you see another so-called conservative party, uh, uh, you know, potentially with uh, some floor crossing? Um, I know there's the whole $10,000 thing, this, that, and that, which which really, to me, I guess we can get into. But there are some reasons that may prompt some people to think twice about crossing the floor, although who really cares about ten grand in politics? You think that a, a third party, a conservative alternative, could have some legitimacy in the next window, six to 18 months? Oh, yes, I, I do. You know, again, I'm so grateful to represent Cypress Medicine Hat since 2012. And in 2012, 17 uh, of us wild rosers were sent to be the voice of hundreds of thousands of Albertans in, in the legislature. Uh, and I believe that the combined PC and, and wild rose vote in 2012 was 78% of Albertans. So so that's a huge uh, conservative uh, element for, for Alberta. Um, but the other side of that, uh, Ryan, is the PCs uh, governed for 44 years and, uh, you know, had a lot of conservatism in, in their policies and their beliefs. So so that party found a way to, you know, 44 years of, of political success. That's that's a huge achievement. So, so you know, so there's opportunities on, on, on both sides. But where there's not opportunity, is when Albertans feel that their voices are not being listened to, not being respected, when their ideas are not being debated in and around the legislature. And I think that's that's where we're at in the last two years. Um, you know, wild rosers reach out to me all the time, as do conservatives uh, who say, you know, oh, here's some thoughts. Here's where I'd like, you know, I'd like to see happen. You know, what do you think? And and we make it happen. One of the things I'm really grateful for right now is there's two or three or maybe even four smaller party groups starting up. I think mostly on 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 the right uh, the right side of the spectrum. But but it's so nice to have Albertans, you know, take the challenge, go a little bit public, speak up with what they're saying, and then people like me hopefully uh, will do the best we can. With them. Well, and this and this is what I'm wondering is I mean you know I, I know that people it's nice to be in government. Right. It's, it's it would be somewhat unusual for someone to leave a governing party to move to an opposition party or, or an upstart sort of a fledgling grassroots party. But if you're not in 
government. So if you're not a cabinet minister, uh, if you are a backbencher like you were that that is feeling ignored, that's that's dis, that, that experiences discontent every single day, that can't get their issues or their constituents issues on the docket, that can't get them discussed at caucus meetings, that's starting, quite frankly, to face some fire and some flack from the people that voted them in every time they're at the grocery store, or the gas station in their own constituency. I can see some people saying, you know what? especially people you know for whom Jason Kenny rubs them the wrong way uh, I'm out of here and I'd be curious to know how many people you think that might describe I mean if you were to start a party or if you were to run for the leadership of the party can you see three or five or ten United conservative MLAs leaving and joining well I I don't want to speak for any of my former colleagues you know because behind closed doors, so many of them, all of them spoke up and, and had, you know, different viewpoints, but but there was a lot of ideas be, being spoken up and talked about. So so we'll see what will happen there. But Ryan, as far as everyday Albertans and, and every vote is equal, there's tens of thousands of uh, Albertans that are saying that their voices aren't being heard. They, they feel that the UCP and Premier Kenny is, is too far to the center, too far to the left. Um, you, uh, you know, not not meeting the expectations. And I think the expectations were, you know, jobs, the economy and pipelines, of course, was, was on his platform signs. But the expectations was to do something about the cost and the size and the inefficiency of government and to do something about our, our bad deal with Ottawa. You know, we saw yesterday the uh, Premier of Quebec pushing the envelope for more more autonomy, more powers for Quebec. Why doesn't Alberta do the same? That's what Albertans are saying saying to me every day. You know, so I at this point in time, Ryan, I, I'm going to take the next little while, the the summer, talk to my family, my wife, and my my three adult boys. I'm grateful. Fifty thousand constituents in Cypress Medicine had, you know, are, are also willing to share their ideas and their thoughts with me. I'm going to ask them what they'd like to see me do. Again, I'm so pleased and grateful that so many Albertans have reached out to me with with their advice, their support, their thoughts. So I'm going to be talking to them as well, and and then we'll we'll see where it goes. But but I you know I believe that Alberta should be the free and most prosperous place. Uh, you know we have we have the risk takers, we have the hard workers, we have the communities. Um, hey, I'm my social media today, uh, we put out that uh, by far and away, Alberta has the highest uh, per capita percentage of engineers. We're the province of doers. We're the province of making things happen. My job is to make it happen. I'd be curious. Let me let me pick on that for a little bit or let, let's dig into that a little bit, because there's a lot of, you know, I mean, even in Todd Lowen's letter, right, when when he when he called for the premier to resign, um, he took a swipe. Uh, at the federal government at Justin Trudeau off off the top of my head I can't remember what he said something something like Sarah can you track it down whatever he said it was something like the 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 something policy the damaging policies of Justin Trudeau or something Drew maybe you remember what he, how he phrased it but yeah you're on the right track yeah there was like there was like a swipe at the federal government in the letter uh yeah. calling for Jason Kenney to resign and, and it's been kind of the tone and let's be honest uh it resonates politically it resonates with Albertans to talk about you know Justin Trudeau and and, and to talk about the liberals and the Laurentian elites and all these things now Ottawa hates Alberta mm-hmm. and and then we see things like you know Ottawa buying TMX pipeline or Ottawa you know 
making available a you know a billion plus dollars to clean up orphan wells or Ottawa stepping up when quite frankly the United Conservatives didn't do diddly squat at the beginning of the pandemic when it came to income supports for small businesses and for individuals and Ottawa's done a lot and is Ottawa perfect no and am I a Trudeau booster no but Ottawa to me at least in my impression a lot of people say it to me Ottawa appears to have done a whole hell of a lot more for Alberta than Jason Kenney has I mean, what are the expectations? Are we talking about a fair deal from Ottawa or Alberta representing itself like Quebec has? And Alberta probably could learn a lot from from Quebec, although it may grind a lot of people's gears to hear it put that way. But what does that actually mean to you? Like, what would you actually like? Like, what does that actually mean? As opposed to Albertans just bitching and moaning all the time and, and, and almost, you know, sort of earning this reputation across Canada. Uh, as Rachel Notley put it a long time ago, as you know, the embarrassing cousins based on on a lot of the, the way that Alberta conducts itself. What, what would that actually tangibly look like to you? OK, well, thank you for that. That's, there's a lot to unpack there. But first, it starts with values. Time and time again, I hear that Eastern Canada, Justin Trudeau's values do not match with Albertans' values. Right today, Ryan, it, it's a billion dollars a day that, that Ottawa is borrowing. Uh, at 2% interest, you know, that that amount of, of interest down the road, and that's provided rates don't go up, will jeopardize every single important priority Canadians have. So so Albertans are saying the values in Ottawa of, of corporate welfare of not looking for value for our hard-earned tax dollars of going deep deep in debt never mind the the money printing situation uh, i see pierre poulevard had out a week or so ago how the government of of canada is spending about 700 billion this year and 350 billion of that is printing money um it uh, came out uh, yesterday that the inflation rate is 3.4% in Canada. Um, guy on social media, a consistent conservative, uh, Spencer Fernando, puts out, would you be happy if your government immediately taxed 3.4% of everything? That's what this inflation rate is doing. And many, of course, families are telling me it's much higher when you go to the grocery store. So so there, there's... There's so much fear right now with the fact of what's going on in Ottawa and the fact that values in, in Ottawa don't match ours. But, but Drew, Secondly, I hang on a second, though. But, but Ryan, how many? How, this is the, give me a second okay, here. $650 billion that we have sent, Alberta has sent to Ottawa since uh, 1960. I mean, we can talk about the Norway sovereign fund that's at a trillion. And Alberta, of course, we have $18 billion in our Heritage Trust Fund. And we're about $115 billion in debt now. What a huge difference that would be. At the Fair Deal panel, tens and tens and hundreds of Albertans went to the mic and said they want to take the risk of opening up the Constitution because they want a Supreme Court where we're represented more fairly. They want a Senate that works. Um, I saw a couple of weeks ago that our Canadian Senate hasn't overturned a federal law in over 25 years. The longest in the history of the Westminster system. It, it's useless. Uh, and then thirdly, uh, the House of Commons. Uh, elections decided before we even get a chance to vote. Albertans are tired of those things and, and they want to be more involved and, and they want the opportunity to uh, create jobs and, and have strong families and strong communities. And, and with the amount of money that's coming out of here, with the lack of say in our future, Albertans are not happy. And, and back to the Alberta agenda letter that uh, you know, Stephen Harper and Tom Flanagan and Andy Crooks and Ken Bosenkall did. That's over 20 years ago. Yeah, the firewall. This was identified as a problem and, and, and politically nothing's happened. Uh, what You know, one, one other thing that I'll, I'll talk about, I, I do remember our provincial government giving $1,100 uh, per Albertan 
way back at the start of the pandemic. Um, you do maybe, and, and so there was some immediate assistance there. There was some issues at the end about how some people weren't eligible for this, but you know, so Ryan, it hasn't been total that the Alberta yeah, government has I, forgotten about. I don't know. But, and, and Drew, you don't, so, have to, I, you don't have to be an apologist for, for the government anymore. Well, <laughs> you don't have to do that. It's not all bad. It, <laughs> sure. And, I, and I, hey, I'm not here to, I, I try to be ob- as objective or as fair as possible. And and I think whatever that $1,100 is, I, I think I think that there were like 30,000 people that accessed it. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Bunch of people had problems with it. About, and, and also $1,100. Uh, but I digress. I was talking to a guy yesterday that said, you know, he, he one of the things he's had a real problem with is, is that he had a really tough pandemic. This is one person's story before everybody flips out on me. This is an anecdote. This is one guy's story. But he encountered enormous problems during the pandemic, like like more than most people. Some people have lost loved ones. Let's not lose perspective of that. But this guy lost his business. He's lost a whole bunch of things. And he's and he's like a phoenix. He's like rising out of the ashes. And he tells me, and, and, and Drew, you're going to love this. He's a close friend of mine. He's from Montreal. When we talk politics, I call him the Laurentian elite. His grandmother worked for Pierre Elliott Trudeau for decades. I mean, this guy is who guys like you are talking about. And he's actually told me that based on his entrepreneurial experience, after having somewhat of a devastating uh, COVID-19 year, he said, I've, he said, my politics have actually started to skew a little bit more conservative based on his understanding of markets and, and getting started and incentives to start businesses. And he says, and I know this is going to outrage some people again, this is one guy's opinion, but he said his opinions and his feelings on things like handouts have actually changed through the course of the pandemic. So I do think those conversations are happening. I'm, I think that the federal conservatives, in fact, are missing grand opportunities right now to recruit. I think that they're, they're not doing a great job there. And we could spend more time talking about that later. But I look at a lot of Albertans that are complaining right now about what Ottawa has done and what Alberta wants to do. And, and I'm not convinced that the leadership in Alberta has any inspiring or clear ideas about what bracing or preparing or setting the table for a post-pandemic economy looks like. It it, it strikes me as a one-trick pony. This is no disrespect to the oil and gas industry, but I don't have faith that this provincial government understands where industry is going, where the economy is going, let alone paving the way for other people to do the same. I mean, what would you tell Albertans that, that are trying to find some reason to have faith in the provincial leadership? I mean, that are trying to have faith, you know, that are trying to find more than just the tropes. I mean, you talk about Norway. I mean, you know, we've had those conversations. Nothing is new there. And, and, and you referenced the firewall letter. Like, what's even changed? How has that evolved? How is, how is the pitch or how is the ideas? Where's the inspiration? You know what I'm saying, Drew? Yeah. Thank, thank you. Yeah, you're a very good question. Um, one of the reasons, Ryan, I've been calling for the elimination of the 2% small business tax. Uh, that's, of course, small business pay that, profits under half a million, um, on top of the 10% federal tax to Ottawa. Saskatchewan temporarily moved theirs to zero. Uh, Manitoba has been at zero for, for a long time. Uh, who has been it harder in this pandemic and the regulations and the lockdown, the small business. Uh, Dan Kelly, the CFO, 
FIB had out a month or so ago that the average small business has taken on 185,000 of, of extra debt. Now, you know, that's going to that's going to lead to hardship. That's certainly going to cost the employees and employers some of their quality of life as, as that debt gets paid back. So let's give them a break. I think that 2% raises about 450, 500 million for, for the taxpayers and the government of Alberta. Let's find that money and savings somewhere else. Ryan, the fact that the Alberta government in just two years has gone 40 plus billion dollars more in debt, and we're now at $115 billion in debt, has made it somewhat hard to attract new new businesses to to Alberta because there's a, a strong belief that a deficit debt, government debt is just a future tax on, on some of these businesses. When it, when it comes to what, you may remember I was quite vocal a couple times about calling for an independence referendum. Uh, the last time I called for one on the day of the provincial election two years from now. You know, the fact that we keep putting Ottawa on notice verbally with strong letters and nothing changes. Um, resource movement. Uh, you know, the, the fact that... Uh, you know, the Trans Mountain Pipeline, Ottawa bought it, but but what a disaster. You know, it uh, the progression still hasn't moved ahead. It's oil's not flowing in it. 95% of the new pipeline is in the same uh, right of way as the old pipeline. Why does it take so long in Canada? And, and Ryan, what's happening uh, in all parts of Alberta? I see it down here in Medicine Hat, Hat the most hard-working Albertans, hard-working small business people, employers, tradespeople, you know, are either not able to get work or full work, you know, a welding truck that you used to be able to rent out for 130, 140 an hour, guys are getting 70, 80 now. And, and you know, it, it, it's it's very, very frustrating. So, so there's this, you know, there, another example, Energy East, you know, the Line 5 thing, the fact that Line 5 may get shut down and, and 50% of the energy needs for Ontario and Quebec are in jeopardy. All the jet fuel for Pearson Airport comes from Line 5. The fact that TC Energy cancelled uh, Energy East uh, three or four years ago because the cost of Canadian bureaucracy and hardship had made the cost of that pipeline 17 or $18 billion would have made the cost of the toll of putting it in the pipeline exorbitant so it made no sense to get it there. Cheaper for, I guess, for Eastern Canadians to support dictatorships in Saudi Arabia and, and Venezuela rather than, than support other Canadians. Those are the problems that Albertans want addressed. Um, and, and, and obviously 20 years of talk didn't work. Strong letters isn't working. That's why I suggested an independence referendum two years from now. Let's make it clear to Ottawa and our Canadian partners what we need to, to fill is a welcome, strong part of this confederation. And let's give them a notice state. Let's hold them accountable. Yeah, uh, you and I have different feelings about an independence referendum, um, uh, you know, which is perfectly fine. We can have our own opinions. Um, I, I haven't seen, quite frankly, conservatives do anything to improve Canada's chances on pipelines anywhere. Um, you know, a blown investment on on Keystone, which was a gamble on the Trump White House. Right. Jason Kenney's comments about the governor of Michigan, which threatened line five. The, the guy couldn't understand diplomacy if it was spelled out for him on a napkin. And then you look at who owns TMX, whether it's moving slow or not. And you and I both know why it's moving slow, because of things like consultation and courts and and reconciliation and all of these things that, that cannot be poo pooed or dismissed. Uh, let me ask you, yeah. if you think if you think that that people and corporations are deciding against Alberta because of the small business tax rate 
or because we have people holding big church services and getting arrested and not wearing masks and, and making all kinds of, you know, suing Bigfoot cartoon movies. And I mean, it's just an absolute gong show, Drew. I mean, how much of it is that? I don't think it's the tax rate that keeps a lot of people from saying, eh, I think I'm going to live in B.C. instead. Well, the, the tax rate certainly has something to do with it and the cost of bureaucracy and the deficit, the future tax rate. There's there's seven American states with no personal income tax that that has to attract investment. Um, I think back to when Alberta had our 10 percent uh, flat income tax. And, um, you know, I, it used to bring El- people to Alberta who wanted to be here because of the lower tax. And of course, Alberta, we, we benefited from the best public service uh, we had, you know, and, and well paid. And, and so, yeah, all, all these things don't happen in a vacuum by themselves, but they add to those little incremental things that make and, and have people come to come to Ottawa. Let, let, let's talk about the Keystone investment for a second. One of the things when I look back at the surprise of that, I look, I look back at, at, at the UCP Kenny government and yeah, so it looks like 1.6 billion was lost uh, building the Canadian side of the uh, Keystone pipeline. And um, at the same time we had, or not, we had rate, we had uh, the UCP government uh, back out of uh, Rachel Notley when she was premier, her uh, oil by rail, uh, which might've cost an additional, you know, $2 billion. Uh, now, whether that was the NDP government's fault, uh, you know, clearly it was it was it was corporate welfare. So so the whole thing to me that surprises me is, is how can one corporate welfare be good and the other bad? Look at how much money the Alberta government lost under Lougheed and Getty with with all their corporate proposals. And when you study the Redwater Sturgeon upgrader and the fact that the PCs created a situation that may cost the taxpayers of Alberta $20 billion before that's said and done. Of course, Ted Morton's had great writings on that and all that could cost. Ryan, that's money that should be left in our pockets. That's money that should be going to social services, age, education, healthcare. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, as, as Klein said many times, government needs to stay out of the business of business. Uh, for the most part, I agree with you there, Drew. Uh, you've named you. you've named the Mount Rushmore of Alberta conservatives. So the, I mean, when you talk about Morton and Flanagan and Harper and Klein, you've not yet invoked Preston Manning. That would, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we got to have four. Do you think, Drew, honestly, that that those names? Uh, I mean, obviously Harper, uh, but, but do these names? carry as much cachet as they did 20 years ago i mean do you do you think that that whole idea of of the angry alberta the firewall sentiment the independence referendum i mean is that something that you feel is as strong a movement that you perceive to be a strong movement now as it was 20 or 25 years ago yeah, I, I think it's it's actually stronger, Ryan. Uh, and instead of the firewall, let's you know they called it the Alberta Agenda. I think the firewall became the nickname for it. So that Alberta Agenda is is more important than ever. Um, Alberta families that want to be free and prosperous and help each other. Alberta families and communities and businesses that want to be a, an opportunity for all Canadians to come and work and create wealth and pay taxes so we can have good good programs. It's not working, um, you know, and at the end of the day, if we just look at that, you know, it's clear that China um, is the number one increase in coal fired electricity. They still use coal to make fertilizer and methanol and all those things that, that we abandon here 
years ago or maybe never even did. Uh, you know, so if we really, you know, let's let's get LNG to China and India and Japan and let's help make make the world cleaner in that way. We have to ask ourselves why why it isn't happening. Um, we know that carbon tax is now paid on every bit of, of oil and gas and, and agriculture in, in Alberta. At the same time, oil and gas coming in to, to Eastern Canada from Venezuela and Saudi Arabia is not subject to, to any kind of carbon tax and tax. These inconsistencies are unfair. They're, they're making things that aren't working. They're not, they're not making our world a safer and a better place for our children. Um, you know, it, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's time to look at those things. Drew, are you a, are you a, a card carrying member of the Federal Conservative Party of Canada? Are you are you, are you a supporter of that party? Uh, I'm a card carrying member. Okay, I'm quite concerned about their direction right now. Great, I appreciate how you answered that question because because yeah. I wanted to ask <laughs> you. I mean, Aaron O'Toole. Uh, you know, I mean, hey, what is it now? Six or eight months into his leadership, pe- people are saying that he's he's not. I mean, some people are saying again, anecdotal. That he's not even filling Andrew Shear's shoes, uh, let alone Harper's. And I know that I think Aaron O'Toole extended an olive branch to to moderate or so-called progressive conservatives. I think to, to urban dwellers in cities like Vancouver and Toronto with a conservative climate plan. And, and we can you know get into whether or not people think it would be effective or not. I had some interesting conversations privately and I've had a couple publicly about it. One in particular, I asked a guy. He's a columnist uh, out of Southern Alberta. You know, Corey Morgan. Um, I don't I don't appreciate how Corey's been conducting himself with the recent rodeo and everything, but we don't need to get into that. He, He doesn't need my advertising, or at least I'm reticent to give it to him. But the point is, I asked Corey publicly and I said, if you because he was he was speaking out strongly against the conservative climate plan, he doesn't want to see climate leadership from the conservatives, at least not in that form. And I said, would you rather see a conservative climate plan that would be saleable, that would be believable to people in Vancouver and Toronto and urban centers, progressive conservatives that would vote conservative and send Aaron O'Toole to the prime minister's office. Would you support that? Or would you rather see an, an, an ideological position, a firm position, no carbon taxes, no price on carbon? I don't want to say no climate plan because you got to have something. you got to have something to be considered decent i think on the global stage and remain in opposition and his answer both surprised me and didn't because that he would he would rather have a principled stance in opposition than compromise his values and achieve government and it kind of blew my mind where do you stand on that well a couple things you know the i guess with aaron o'toole the the biggest disappointment is he campaigned on no carbon tax uh he gets closer to to an election and all of a sudden you know he's changed his his uh his song the other part of that is is fairness ryan you know alberta ranchers alberta farmers have done so much um, from the beginning but to improve also at at, uh, storing carbon in the grasslands, the forestry industry, you know, what do they plant two trees for every one they cut down or more? Like, like, like we have done so much to be great carbon storage, great, you know, stewards of the environment. When do we get credit for that? So, so I, I, I have no idea what, what Corey was referring to or what he was saying, but 
there's a number of people that say to me that, that they want to speak up for what their values are. They want to vote for what they want, not compromise. Uh, and in between elections, they're, they need to make their voice heard to Aaron O'Toole. Um, they need to, you know, they need to make their, their voice heard to others. So, so these politicians know what the expectations are and, and, and heaven forbid those, those that uh, don't stick to their promises. Have you ruled out, running again as an MLA in Cypress Medicine Hat 2023? Uh, thanks for that question. Actually, no, I haven't. Uh, I'm talking to my wife quite a bit about it, my family. Um, I'm grateful that I'm in my 10th year, my third term. I believe I still have the energy, the the desire, the ideas, and the ability to, to be a good representative. So um, I, I may well run run in the next election as well but uh there's a lot of work between now and then so uh so i'm grateful for that drew i've always appreciated your your availability here on the show um did you ever face any backlash do you ever do you ever receive any specific comments for appearing on real talk and talking to me talking to our audience uh so uh, yeah i I get some uh, criticism and sometimes some counters to, to to my ideas uh from from some of your listeners but, uh, no, hey, I don't mean that. I mean, I mean from the premier, and I mean from from oh. the caucus and cabinet, and from your former colleagues in the in the party. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, I was when I was in the caucus, I was asked uh, why I went on it, uh, and it's simple. I, you know, I appreciate your what you bring to to Alberta. I appreciate the chance to discuss these ideas, and and let's have a full wholesome debate, respectful debate. Uh, it's back to to the rallies and stuff. I have asked every Albertan to follow the laws, be respectful and work through me and work through their MLAs to change the laws. That's how our system works better. Right. Drew Barnes, uh, the elected independent MLA out of Cypress Medicine Hat. Thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. You bet. Um, yeah, I like that. He goes, yeah, I've faced some blowback from your listeners. I go, no, no, not them. Not them, the party. It goes without saying he's going to face some blowback from audience members, and I appreciate that. Our audience is also not a monolith. Uh, there are there are tried, tested, and true right-wing conservatives that listen to this program. There are hard lefties that listen to this program, and there are a whole bunch of people in between. And wherever you put yourself on the spectrum, we hope that there's content that's of interest to you, and we hope that you feel like your perspective is represented. You can send us an email anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Um, would love to hear from you. Of course, our live chat's been going absolutely nuts over the past 45 minutes or so, which is great. Just an engaged audience and, 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 and talking about a whole bunch of different things. You know, a lot of what Drew brought to the table there. I'm going to credit Drew, first of all, for showing up. Second of all, for giving us like 50 minutes of his time. I appreciate that. I think we pitched 20 or 25. Um, so I'm grateful that he took the time to talk. When we start, you know, sometimes when you start to dig into this, uh, you know, you, you, you find something, you got to dig a little bit deeper. And, and then also I'll acknowledge some things you just leave alone. I'm not going to get into the assertion that, that Alberta should have treated uh, resource revenue like Norway did with its sovereign fund. And, you know, Alberta is a province. Norway is a nation. There's a whole bunch of different factors at play. Um, have we mismanaged resource revenue? Probably. Has Alberta collected enough resource revenue? Probably not. Um, is there any politician left in Alberta that would have the guts to conduct another uh, review. I'm not sure. You know, ask Ed Stelmack how that went for him. Right? Uh, pe- people get people get all all kinds of touchy there. In- industry swings a big swath, and oil and gas has been huge for Alberta's economy, for Canada's economy. Uh, nobody hides that. But but I think, and I can speak. You know, I am one of those 
engaged citizens. I am one of those voters whose vote is up for grabs. There are oftentimes a party or a candidate or a leader that is a hard no for me at any given election. But other times my vote is up for grabs. And I know that not everybody is this way. A lot of people vote the same way that grandpa did, or a lot of people vote the way that their wife tells them to, or a lot of people vote the way that, you know, all the guys at work are. And then there's, of course, people that are kind of the sleepers, right? They come in, they talk, they talk, and then they get to the ballot box and they're like, fuck that guy. And then they vote for the other guy, but they don't tell anybody how they actually voted. You guys are some of the real heroes. But I'm the type of person that looks for innovative ideas, doable realistic ideas incentives plans that indicate that a party has its finger on the pulse has an understanding of where things are going and how we can maximize what that might mean for the jurisdiction they represent whether it's a city councilor whether it's a province a territory or a state or whether it's a country so i'm curious to pick a guy like drew's brain on on stuff even like a climate plan you know, his his sense of, of where Jason Kenney has fallen short in leadership. He was he was, I will say, Drew was a, a little bit more. Not conciliatory, but he didn't come out guns blazing. Uh, he didn't he didn't come out and, and talk about, you know, the bully that's leading the party, that's whipping the votes, that's intimidating the MLAs. He, he didn't talk like that. If you heard the whole interview with me, maybe you're a little bit surprised. I was curious to see how he might approach this. You know, when you've been kicked out of the party, you might say you don't have anything to lose. At the same time, two years is a long time to be hanging around the Alberta legislature. And you never know what the plan might look like either. I'm sure there are things happening behind the scenes. There are other names that Drew did not drop in conservative circles in the province that people are all wondering what's going on with these folks, right? You know, Danielle Smith, former leader of the Wild Rose Party, just uh, took on a new role as president of the Alberta Enterprise Group, the AEG. It's like a it's like a business advocacy group. So Danielle's there for now. After resigning her talk show, if you've missed my interview with Danielle Smith, I encourage you to check it out. Pretty interesting back and forth there. One of our most downloaded podcast episodes. Brian Jean's been somewhat quiet. He penned a, a scathing editorial a number of weeks back aimed at jason kenny it was kind of an open letter we invited him to come on the show he said uh he said thanks for the invitation said brian gene i'm gonna i'm gonna let my op-ed speak for itself which it did quite loudly it didn't spell out any future intent but it, it's raised people's eyebrows people are wondering what's going on there as well i'm curious to know your thoughts on what you just heard you can hit us up on the hashtag real talk rj i wanted to remind you that the team at Westworld Computers for more than 40 years has been family-owned and operating out of their location in Edmonton and, of course, now online at westworld.ca where they'll ship anywhere. Real talkers across the country are shopping at Westworld and they're shipping to you. They also have their fully authorized Apple service department. Trained technicians, again, more than 40 years of experience can upgrade or fix any Apple product from your Mac, your iPad, your Apple Watch, your iPhone. Plus, while you're talking to them, ask about their Apple trade-up program. They give you the highest values for your trade. They'll transfer your data to your new Apple product, complimentary as well. The team at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge is reminding you, if you're looking for something to pull your holiday trailer, your pop tent, your jet skis, your boat, whatever, even just an SUV to get you out into the middle of nowhere this summer so you can enjoy the great outdoors, there's no brand like Jeep and Ram. 
They've got the best selection of Ram trucks in the province right now. Selection's tight at a lot of dealerships. Sherwood and St. Albert shares those two inventories so they can find you the wheels you need to make the most of your summer. The team at Kubi Energy, of course, a big sponsor, positive reflections every Monday here on the show. I was thinking I should have maybe saved Wayne Paulson's chainsaw video for positive reflections just because what's more positive than than horsepower like that driving a saw, but, but I just couldn't wait. Well, it means we've got an open slot for positive reflections this coming Monday. What's making you smile? What's making you laugh? What's filled your bucket? Send it to us, talk at ryanjesperson.com at kubienergy.ca. You can learn more about how your sustainability project can become a reality, whether it's your, maybe your garden shed, maybe it's your entire home. What about your business or an industrial warehouse? They do it all in Alberta NBC at kubienergy.ca. Sarah Hoyles is, is coming up on, um, what is it? You're like, you're, you're just less than a week away from a month on the show. Wild. Have you ever seen the Have you ever seen the live chat like it's been in the last hour? It is moving. I, I was trying to keep up with it during the interview. And I couldn't. Every time I looked down, it was just bang. It's like trying to watch a stock ticker. Um, generally speaking, I, I think there were a lot of people that that uh, you know. I would say there were more people taking issue with what Mr. Barnes, Drew Barnes, had to say as opposed to agreeing with him. Uh, but what were some of the comments that maybe jumped out at you? Was was there a theme that you saw developing there on the live chat? I mean, I think initially. Uh, and something that I was actually kind of interested in and intrigued by was his tone and not coming in, you know, guns a-blazing, but really, you know, having uh, a, an even-keeled conversation, um, not really combative, which was surprising to many folks in the live chat and also on our, our hashtag. Moving forward from there, um, I think the sentiment was, you know, referring to Kenny as too far left. I think a lot of people that raised a lot of eyebrows. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think as yeah, as we as we got further into the conversation, just a lot of people, you know, <laughs> disputing what was being said. Yeah. Um, you know, people are talking about, you know, what leadership might look like with the mm-hmm. United Conservatives. And, and and that's a conversation that needs to be had as well, because people are uh, th- actually what we should do right now is, is remind you that our question of the week uh, this week at Ryan we're, we're hoping to see more than a thousand people chime in on it. Uh, you can do it today. It'll take you less than two minutes. Uh, question of the week at Ryan You know, last week we saw members of the UCP caucus openly call for Jason Kenney's resignation. Uh, Todd Lowen is now gone out of the party. Drew Barnes is now gone out of the party. We're asking you to, to weigh in on Jason Kenney's political prognosis on who the future leader of the UCP may be. Now, hey, that could be in 20 years, right? Or it could be in 20 weeks. Probably not. And what you think their prospects look like for the next election. So I'm curious to see. I'm hoping that a whole bunch of conservatives answer the question. Right. It doesn't it doesn't serve us very well if a whole bunch of people that would love to see the party metaphorically drive into the ditch. Uh, if a whole bunch of people like that, you will, you know, well, how do you think they're going to do in the next election? Ah, like, you know, one percent think they're going to be reelected. That's a, that's not a valuable insight. What I think is valuable insight is conservatives, proud, small C conservatives that are concerned about the future of the party and where where they perceive this conversation could go. It's one thing for and Jason Kenney's not going to resign. Nope. I, I, I don't see it happening. He's not cut that way. Right. He's 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 he digs in when things get tough. He did. He, yeah, he digs in further. Yeah. Not like in a Winston Churchill way, though. 
No, that that was not meant in, to evoke Winston. It's Churchill. not. It's yeah, not in, not not in a stiff upper lip Winston Churchill World War Two kind of a way. In, no. in, in more of a like stubborn, like, like rally the troops, stubborn, bristling. You know, media bans, not doing interviews, snippy comments. You know, uh, and and work behind the scenes with all the foot soldiers. That kind of a way. So I, I can't see Jason Kenny being the guy that comes to the podium and and apologizes to Albertans for falling short and and gracefully tenders his resignation to make way for the for the future health of the party. That's not the type of thing. Um, at the same time, I don't think it's any secret that Jason Kenny has federal political aspirations. Again, you have to assume so. And you have to wonder what the stigma might be that might surround an Alberta premier, a former Alberta premier that were to bring conservatives together and then depart like that, like allow the party to kind of to either self implode or to blow it up on the way out. I can't see that happening either. So what does it look like? What does the future of the United Conservative Party look like in Alberta? That's what a lot of people, including, I would imagine, mostly conservatives are having conversations about. Absolutely. And I, I don't think it's I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm excited to see what the inputs are for the, the survey that we're running this week, because they're not going anywhere. There's, there will always be space and room for conservatives uh, in Alberta. Uh, they've been alive and well for many years. I mean, in my lifetime, it was the one and only time that I could ever, that it had ever been a non-conservative government when the NDP were elected for that, that one term. So not going anywhere. I'm, what I want to know is where do we think they're going? Yeah. And, and what, and how are you defining conservative? Mm. Right. I mean, there, there are a lot of Alberta conservatives that would vote for a conservative party proudly that would donate to a conservative party. But if the platform is going to be, you know, independence referendums and fair deals from Ottawa and, and, and the same sort of a thing, like what's new here? What's new? And, 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 and this is not to say that that Alberta should not obviously. Uh, and, and first of all, how do you get deals done typically? By being real pricks all the time or by working, working with people, building bridges, working together, but proving, taking essentially what your your assignment is, is to take away or to, to I hate the word Trump has been ruined now. I can't even use the word yeah, Trump as I though to Trump, <laughs> but to, let me say to get ahead of people's cynicism that partisan politicians cannot work together, prove us wrong, work together. Now, this, 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 this chasm that exists this this personal we've asked the prime minister about this directly and you can watch our interview with him our exclusive one-on-one with the prime minister on our youtube channel on our podcast by the way we're going to be talking to Jagmeet singh leader of the federal ndp coming up what is it june 1st june 1 and uh, we continue to work with aaron o'toole's office to line up an interview there we're looking forward to speaking with the leader of canada's conservatives uh, anime paul we expect we're going to be speaking with the, the new leader of the federal green party in the next little while yep uh, we, we want people's different perspectives to be represented. We want people to have an opportunity to ask questions of political leadership. But, you, you know, you, you look at, at what conservatives would be looking for in a government, and, and a lot of them want a, a government that understands where industry is going, that understands what economic recovery looks like, that understands. That, that's where Drew and I, we, we found a common alignment on a couple of things, and, and, and albeit for a brief moment, I believe, I mean, first of all, I do, I do believe that less government is better when it comes to business. I also think that having conversations about things like inflation right now or debts and deficits right now, 
through the course of a global pandemic where economies have been decimated and there has been unprecedented government spending on things like income supports and business supports is a little disingenuous. If right now the shots you want to take, like has Justin Trudeau done absolutely everything right through the course of the pandemic? Absolutely not. Have the federal liberals aced it? Uh Uh-uh. Have the provincial governments done an astounding job? No. Was everybody? I, I can't stand the answering my own questions thing, but I'm just let me let me work through this for a second. Uh, did you need me to chime in? Should I keep interviewing myself? <laughs> Are these very difficult assignments? Yes. Do I think I would do any better as a politician? Probably not. Because they are very difficult roles and they are very difficult decisions. But I, but I think, you know, I've even said it on the show before, you know, to, to, to hold Jason Kenney right. There are a lot of things you can be critical about when it comes to Jason Kenney's leadership, the Alberta government or political leadership across the country. I think right now to hold Jason Kenney to jobs, economy and pipelines is a little disingenuous. It's a global pandemic. I think that criticism that is fair, reasonable and pointed is most effective. So that has to go both ways, right? It has to go with regards to how we evaluate what we expect from the federal government. Justin Trudeau hates Alberta. Ridiculous. That's a ridiculous statement. And also some of the criticism that the United Conservatives have faced. I mean, can you imagine being the leader of that party and trying to keep MLAs like Drew Barnes happy and also trying to keep MLAs, you know, Casey Madu in South Edmonton's going, uh, Premier, I'm facing fire from all angles here. Uh, he brought it upon himself with his Facebook post recently. Maybe that's a bad example, but I'm thinking of urban conservative MLAs that have urban constituents that are not the ones banging the drums about the you know lifting restrictions and not wearing masks. I don't mean to make this an urban rural thing, but let's call it what it is. Their concerns are going to be very different. They're going to want to see strong leadership that understands what the relationship between a government and business should look like, that understands what rolling out a strong economy and a budget looks like realistically, what a path to, when you talk about paths to balance, I mean, how do you even say that with a straight face right now? These deficits are unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this before. The average person's never seen anything like this before. That's why I'm looking, and I think that millions of Canadians are looking for solutions or at least policy discussions that don't simply read from the same script that we've been reading from for 25 years. Enough about Norway. Enough about the sovereign fund. It has no relevance right now. And quite frankly, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, if you want to start talking about whose fault is it that we didn't, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting when Drew Barnes started bringing up like Peter Lougheed and Don Getty. I'm going, okay, but he's right. Like Lougheed gets credit for a lot of things. And Lougheed, you know, had some tough results on some things, too. You look at some of the investment, though, that his government was willing to make. I mean, it, it, it essentially cleared the way for the oil sands to become a thing because there was a, an understanding that government could invest in something. But, yeah, there were some blown invest, investments along the way as well. I don't even know where to start on the live chat. I feel like I'm, I'm too intimidated. I feel like we hike and sometimes we get like in the spring runoff, like these shoulder season hikes we're talking about. You know, you get to a river where you've been able to cross it and past, and then sometimes it's flowing up to your chest. I feel like the river is flowing up to the chest right now. I don't even want to take a step into it. Or I'm just going to get my socks knocked off. Probably more than your socks. Yeah, maybe. Chelsea says one thing I do, maybe not jobs, economy and pipelines. One thing I think you can hold Jason Kenny to is lives and livelihoods to which neither have truly been protected. P. 
people have died and our unemployment recovery is non-existent. Heidi says, I don't see Casey Madu winning his seat again in Edmonton. James says, I don't know if he's saying this to me. Uh, you did not listen to Drew who said this in, in his area, they had very few cases of COVID. I mean, the premier, it's been interesting to see, and, and uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw as well in Alberta. Do I call it subtle? Because some of it's not so subtle, but there, there, ha- there has been more talk addressing the fact that there have been higher case counts per capita or higher transmission rates per capita in rural areas as opposed to urban. That is not a thing. Right. And and you can see how some, some of that politicking is, is starting to happen. Jeff says, I wouldn't want to be any politician over the past 15 months. Dwayne wonders, why do conservatives in Alberta keep doing the most costliest debacles <laughs> repeatedly and they're allowed to keep getting away of it? Another says less government This is from Colette. Less government equals less regulation equals harm and death. Eh says corporations will do whatever they can get away with to make more money. You could make a compelling argument there that you, you know, you can't, uh, we shouldn't put our, our future, we, we, we shouldn't put our future in the hands of corporations. I would agree with you there. We can have robust conversations on what size of government would be appropriate. I'm sure at the end of maybe just a, maybe we'd clear a half hour for that conversation. Just yeah, maybe 15 minutes. I think we, that's all we need. Yeah. I think we'd be able to solve it all. Absolutely. Sam, as you were watching that interview with Drew, what jumped out at you in particular? Was there one thing where you kind of like your posture changed a little bit? Uh, there, there were a few things. Um, you know, we've actually been talking about Jason Kenney a little bit, and I want to just kind of jump on a thought that's been sort of running through my head. And that is in, in a number of the COVID pressers, Jason Kenney stood up and he said, I didn't get into politics to tell people how to live their lives or to restrict their movements. And my response to that was, yeah, you did. Like, if you're going to be a leader of a province and that province falls into a tough time, you absolutely got into politics to tell people how to live their lives and help them steer through it. Like, that is the job you signed up for. Yeah, but he, I mean, he doesn't actually necessarily mean it. He, he's, just in, he's just indicating to people, to the, to the you know, the freedom-loving conservatives, he's indicating to them that, that ideologically it's difficult for him to shut down businesses. Right. It's it's a people use the phrase virtue signaling all the time. When you signal something that you, a virtue that that's what that is as well. He's 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 prefacing a shutdown by simply saying, I recognize this is going to tick a lot of you off. Right. Yeah. 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 For sure. And then like getting back to Drew. He's an odd guy. I've watched a lot of interviews with him. I've I've sat in this seat for most of them. Um, he's he's very good. <laughs> At, at taking a wild, out of the rightest wing position and explaining it in a very measured, calm, understanding voice. And you kind of have to read between the lines of some of the things that he was saying. So, you know, a really good, a really good thing that, that bumped out at me is like, he kept saying, let's make Alberta free and prosperous, free and prosperous, free and prosperous. How are we not free and prosperous right now? Like, I want to know what is standing in the way and and what is this city on the hill that he thinks we can get to if we only had more freedom like it it just it it's a talking point that just doesn't mean anything hmm. um spartan connect says drew basically just gave us a whole bunch of virtue signaling <laughs> this is alex says jason kenny got into politics to make sure i didn't have an abortion uh you <laughs> 
might be right about that. <laughs> Probably right about that. We'll get. We'll take a second to get to more of your comments in, in just a second. I want to remind you that you could breathe easy and save money by visiting cleanairclub.ca today. It's all about changing your furnace filter on time. It's, it's, it's a quick and easy thing you can do, an inexpensive step you can take to improve the air that you, your family, your roommates are breathing. You let them know the size of the filter you need. Oftentimes, the very next day, they're dropped off at your door. And of course, you're going to pay less than you do in the big box store. Save money, breathe easy with cleanairclub.ca. A shout out to our friends, our friends at the Canadian Rural and Remote Housing and Homelessness Symposium. I, I prefer to go with the CRRHH. CRRHH.ca is where you can find out what they're doing. If, if you're living and if you're tuning in, if you're catching this podcast or this live broadcast from, from a rural part of Canada, the CMHC wants your help in shaping the northern round of the housing supply challenge. This is a challenge that's going to award $300 million in funding over five years to the most innovative solutions that tackle housing supply barriers. This is a really neat opportunity. It's part of this year's Canadian Rural and Remote Housing and Homelessness Symposium. There's more than 30 workshops, panel sessions, keynote speakers. It's going to be great. They know that rural is not just a place. It's a sense of belonging. Right now, you can register three or more team members and save 40 bucks off each ticket. If you use the code Ryan, you'll get 20% off your tickets. The code Ryan, 20% off at CRRH.ca. We should check in on our pronouns poll. This was an interesting one. It feels like uh, ages ago, doesn't it, that we had this conversation. Let me check in to see how we're doing. Um, I tweeted this morning, if you're just tuning in, if you're live streaming our audio on Mixler, welcome to the show. Uh, First of all, I began the day by announcing it was Friday, which it is clearly not. And then I went on to ask, do you include pronouns in your social media bio? He, him, they, them, what have you, and on and on and on. Uh, 626 votes right now, and, and it's slowly evening out. And I wonder if that's maybe because people are reading the tweet or maybe they heard our conversation with PFLAG Canada and then maybe they included pronouns in their bio and then they vote yes. I don't know. But right now, um, with the votes we have, over 600 votes, 59% say no, 41% say yes. So around that 60-40 split still. That's not to say that, you know, they are saying they're, you know, being honest they're being, you know, and saying, I don't. And then they go promptly and update their, pro- their pronouns or add pronouns to their social media. How about this from Hopland 1972, who says, reading through the comments on your tweet, Ryan, I have changed my profile. I'm somewhat of a newbie to Twitter. So the more I can learn from people, the better. If I can help make a change for everybody, then that's good. Janelle says, I do it to show respect for others and their pronouns to be inclusive. Um, I have a student who's identified as they, them this year, and I want them to feel accepted. Uh, and also it helps with normalizing pronoun use and the notion that we should not assume how somebody identifies, which is such a great approach to it. And, and then there's been some there's been some kind of learning going on as well. And I love this, like respectful. Again, I don't I don't know what it is with real talkers. Maybe you know what it might be is that is that. um Everybody's getting their their real talk mugs, right? Everybody's going to ryanjesperson.com slash merch and buying their real talk mugs. And I think what, what people are realizing is there's actually a little something. And when, when you pour coffee or drink scotch or water out of these mugs, it just it just makes you a better person. It just opens your mind. It brings it brings a certain do I say enlightenment? 
Uh, that might be getting a little bit too big for our britches. But it must maybe, be. It maybe. Might, it must be the mugs. It must be the mugs that makes everybody so decent, that makes everybody approach, even even on the live chat, people hash it out and, and you see people saying things like, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks for telling me about that. Or, wow, I learned something today. And I'm like, where are all these people coming from on the internet, the corners of the internet? But you basically saying we're selling holy grails? Is that what's going I on I think here? that's what's going yeah. on. Okay. Just, just checking in. And uh, they can be yours for the low, low price. <laughs> I just really appreciate that ability to be able to say, Oh, I was wrong or I didn't know that. And now with this, this piece of information or pieces of information, I am going to adjust what I think I, that being able to not be, you know, so dug in that, that we can't learn something. I love, love, love that it shows vulnerability. It shows open-mindedness. It shows you know, lifelong learning, which is something that I definitely strive for. And I also think that it's just like, it's something that a lot of people are just sort of hesitant to do. You know what I mean? I mean, there's this, this, there's this idea, I guess, that changing and changing your perception shows weakness and Mm. it doesn't. It shows strength. It shows education. Ryan, when we first started this show, like right off the bat in the first couple weeks, we invoked the idea of, of, of prepare to be uncomfortable, make yourself uncomfortable. I think yeah. this audience has, has grabbed hold of the reins of that with two hands and, and they're willing to do it with us. Absolutely. Most. Most are willing to do it with us. And others will say, uh, I mean, I'm going to opt out of this. I'm, I'm going to opt out of this conversation. I, I don't have I don't have the emotional energy to listen to this interview. And and that's cool, too. That's totally cool, too. Mike says he just got his Jespo mug yesterday, his Real Talk mug yesterday, and says today's coffee definitely tasted better, which is great. And, and some random guy wonders, do you drink your scotch out of a mug, Ryan? And, and obviously not. I mean, do you think you think I would like you think I would drink scotch out of a out of a mug? That would be what what kind of a heat? What kind of a hooligan? What, what, what kind of a would drink a fine Carnmore? 2010 single malt sherry butt cask spayside mortlock distillery scotch out of a mug at 1020 mountain time no less what kind of a maniac would be sipping on scotch out of a coffee mug before 11 o'clock in the morning The way it just rolls over the tongue. That sherry cask. You don't get that from coffee. You don't get that from coffee. I faced that tough question. I did face that tough question yesterday on Twitter and somebody asked, well, I just got my mug. The question is coffee or scotch. And, and I just, what do you mean? What do you mean? What? Where's the question? That's not a question. I mean, maybe if it's six in the morning. Maybe. 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 Nadine says, after listening to your interview with Drew Barnes, I made a bourbon. Nadine, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, and Sandra's Sandra's trying to sort out what's going on on the live. She, She goes, what's the point here? Sandra, there is no point. That's the point. We're hanging out. 
Got a great email uh, from Cheryl. Can you can you tee up that we sold a few books yesterday? The, the, the tweet I was showing you about emojis. This is great. Um, what a, an absolutely wonderful conversation yesterday. And I totally agreed uh, with with I mean, the, the take on emojis and, and are they lazy language and are anthropology? No, are anthropological linguistic li- linguist are anthrop are linguistic anthropology. What is he? He's an anthropological gonna, linguist. There you go. A professor of linguistic anthropology. Also works. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, the University of Toronto, we're talking about emojis. Are they lazy language? And uh, we got a tweet like this. Uh, we got several of them, but I love this from Elastigirl who says, I just bought a book about emojis as visual language. I am nerding out. I said, I thought that was great. Many of you through the day kept sharing with us what your favorite emojis were. And Cheryl wrote in, who signs off, by the way, with a fist pound, the fist pound emoji. I was like, add a girl, Cheryl. Nice. She says, I loved the emoji talk. She says, I have a linguistics degree. And even though I made a pragmatic career decision to go into law, I really consider myself a linguist at heart. Language is absolutely fascinating. Not nerdy. The coolest thing ever. She says, I appreciate how you brought an expert on the show to dispel the myth that emojis are lazy language. Language change is just the brain finding efficiencies. It's same with lowercase texting or lack of punctuation, which actually kind of we can get into that. Punctuation. Anyway, back to Cheryl's email. Back to Cheryl's email. Focus. It's the scotch. Cheryl says the brain is creating new language neural pathways to communicate. Is it meaningful? If I can understand what you're saying without punctuation or caps, am I lazy or smart? Plus, language change has been around long before smartphones. Think of contractions, right? Like can't or won't or didn't. These are all efficiencies, combining two words into one while retaining the original meaning. Or all together instead of all space together or cannot instead of can space not our minds says cheryl are incredible and teens teenagers don't get enough credit for modeling the genius of language they are every generation's radical language designers not given the credit they deserve for showcasing flexible neuro-linguistic pathways in our brains cheryl says so us older folks she says i just turned 50 and then she has the emoji, which which I think might actually be one of the most misunderstood emojis, the one of the e, like the the, the kind of like all, all the, the teeth, all the yeah. teeth showing like the e, that emoji. She says, I just turned 50. Cheryl, 50 is like the new 29. What are you even sweating? She says we need to stop judging because really we have brain envy, the ability to have neural plasticity. And rapid response creativity diminishes substantially as we age. We have to get over the sadness of aging and embrace the innovation of language in youth. They rock and so do emojis. Pound it from Cheryl. I love that. I guess what I would love to know then is, you know, by engaging with and using emojis as you are, as you age and, you know, playing with language because I think that language is a really beautiful place to play like puns I love puns love it or hate it and uh and so I'm just I wonder you know with that elasticity or loss of elasticity maybe I'm getting too like scientific and you know in my gray matter but if we were to use that and encourage you know the use of VCRs or DVDs or (laughs) computers does that actually help 
I don't know. I'm I love the idea of embracing it and saying, yeah, just keep using it no matter what your age is. Huh. Nadine says they need a, a pulling out your hair emoji. Fair. I mean, I, I, I've been sort of using the face palm emoji a little bit, you know, I, you know, a little bit more frequently. Uh, Dr. Marcel Denisi that joined us yesterday, the, the professor um, out of the U- University of Toronto's uh, Faculty of Anthropology, Department of Anthropology. He was talking about that age and that it, what, what Cheryl's email touches on. He, feel, he felt like he was a little too old to start invoking emojis. This is a guy that's literally wrote the book on emojis. Uh, you know, uh, uh, someone who studied under the great Marshall McLuhan. How cool was that to hear that story? If you missed that interview, you have to catch it on, on emojis. That was great. I want to know, Ryan, if you open up your phone mm-hmm. and you were to look and start texting, what are the top five emojis on your phone? Oh, the ones that I use? Yeah. My but, top five? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to tell you what, what they are. Here, let me do it. So you, these are the ones that come up. Uh, your phone shows you. Okay. Uh, well, I wish I could just show them to you. Um, but the uh, fire is yeah. is number one. Yeah. Fist pound is number two. Okay. The high five is number three. Yeah. The heart is number four. Okay. And the uh, the like laughing without the tears coming out. Just the, just the just the like eye the, the eyes laughing one. You're smizing kind of thing. I'm sorry, smizing. I'm sorry. You don't know what a smize is. No, it's a smile and smile with your eyes. Smi- Tyra oh, Banks. Smizing. Oh, okay. This America's is America's Next Top Model. Well, there you go. No offense to Tyra Banks. She's she's a machine. She's a force of nature. It's no no offense to her. Uh, yeah, but I, so this is a, it's a it's a this is a pandemic reference. Obviously, it's a mask reference, isn't it? Smizing, smiling with your eyes. Is that what that is, or is it is this like a modeling term? This is when was when was America's Next Top Model like huge? Maybe ten like ten years ago. Years yeah. ago. Smize. <laughs> Dwayne says my late maternal Polish immigrant grandfather had no schooling and knew eight languages fluently. He knew five languages before he came to North America where he picked up French, English, and Ukrainian. (sighs) I mean, people like that, I, those stories, you know, you talk about like self-made eight languages. Are you kidding me? Although they do say, you know, if you, once you speak three or four, it's just a bit of a joke to pick up the rest. It's easy. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, uh, for the, you know, I mean, really, I mean, you know, it, had, had he had he stayed at five, I might be just as impressed. I'm, I'm sure picking up French, English and Ukrainian was probably just a breeze after he had already figured out the other five. Is it really that impressive? That's that stories like that. That blows my mind. So the, the, that whole the, the idea of the of the immigrant story, how it adds such a layer and such a perspective. People that, geez, do I really want to go down this rabbit hole? We're talking about pronouns today. You know, we also talk about things like acknowledging privilege, and that's something that that I think of, you know, there's so, so many things are happening, aren't they, in society and the way that we use language and the way that we communicate, land acknowledgement, host events professionally, land acknowledgements at the beginning of of, of uh, events. Um, you know, and, and, and then the idea of privilege, and it, it always seems to me that a lot of people feel really threatened when it comes to acknowledging privilege, you know, especially when it's white privilege, right? If you, you, people get really defensive, you know, there's a, there's a prominent conservative commentator in the province of Alberta, whose Twitter bio, her Twitter bio reads, I checked my privilege and it looks a lot like hard work. And I've always wanted to ask her. Have you ever, would you say that to the face of, of an immigrant that's come to Canada? Or what about a refugee that's come to Canada with nothing, like absolutely nothing, minimal language skills, uh, you know, potentially, I'm not, 
I'm obviously not painting every new Canadian with the same brush. In many cases, trauma, PTSD, baggage, emotional, um, you know, very little to call their own, but a willingness to contribute a, a an, an enormous appreciation for a new opportunity in a new country that will take them in that could provide health care, that could provide education for their kids. You talk to so many uh, first generation Canadians. In other words, their parents came here and then they were born here about what they've learned from their parents, from watching their parents. And I think in conversations like privilege, these are the types of things where, you know, we can be proud of what we accomplish or what we do. And, and, and then you'll hear the story of somebody that has that has faced so many more barriers. Right. Somebody somebody that has encountered so many more challenges and the word challenges is not even really adequate or strong enough. And I just think like that from Dwayne, like someone moving to Canada, not speaking French or English. And then while they're here, also picking up Ukrainian, who knows why Dwayne, I'd love to hear back from you. I'd love to know why Ukrainian. Maybe it maybe it allowed them an opportunity to work on a farm or, or, may, or maybe they 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 settled in a community where there was a strong Ukrainian population. Who knows? But to me, that is part of that Canadian story, part of that Canadian identity. It's different than a lot of other countries in the world. Absolutely. It's different than the United States in, in, in a pretty significant way when you look at the cultural fabric. Yes. And you also hear in the States, you know, they always talk about the melting pot. So the idea that people are, are supposed to assimilate, mm-hmm. whereas Canada whether or not this actually happens is thought of as more like come as you are and um, there'll be space, not necessarily the lived experience. I mean, for me, the idea of privilege and talking about what someone has gone through, the thing that I, I always just caution is the idea that it's not a competition. It's not about like what, how hard has it been for you? And it hasn't been as hard for you. It's just like everybody has their struggles. This is a great insight from Emma who says calling out privilege. Emma specifically says calling out white privilege is not dismissing your struggles. Uh, It's referring to disadvantages you haven't had. Exactly. Right. To say that you come from a point of privilege doesn't mean that things have been easy. Yeah. It's not saying it's been, you know. Yeah. What do you always say? Tips tipsy toeing through we, the t- <laughs> well i don't want to misapply it i don't know yeah. that that applies here although the, this entire show did not come here to tipsy toe in the tulips there we go there we go you okay. might say you find me another talk show that talks about so, social media pronouns and then segues into an interview with drew barnes you find me another talk show doing that and then we'll dance in the tulips <laughs> and then and then we'll dance in the we'll dance in the daisies in the daisies. We'll, we'll, we'll never tiptoe through the tulips, never. We, but we will dance in the daisies, baby. We will dance in the daisies. Do I dare try to segue into it into a promotional read? I don't think so. I will begin with a confession. You asked me to check out my uh, you said, what are your what are your um, top five emojis? And I can't believe I'm about to tell you this on the air. This is deplorable. This is so disgusting. I don't even now, now I'm trying to find it because. I, I just had the thing pop up on my screen and then I quickly dismissed it. My screen time. <gasps> it's so bad right now. What is it? I just saw it and I'm trying to decide in real time right now if I want to share this with the audience. Real talk, man. Real talk. Would you two sign up for this exercise? May I ask for transparency here? Would you be willing to go into your phones and share on the record what your daily average screen time is on your phone? Where do I Would find you be willing that? to do it under settings? I don't know if you have an iPhone oh, or not time. There under go. settings and you go to screen time. I just saw mine and it stopped my heart a little bit. Sam, do you have yours loaded up? Do you know uh, what you're no, not sure yet? I mean, I have, a, I have an Android, so I'm looking for whatever oh, okay. the analog is. No worries. Yep. Have you found yours? 
I have. So it, this won't affect my podium position, right? Like I'm still number one. You're right? still number one for today. Okay. What is it? Oh, you want it right yeah. now? What is it? Average daily. Yeah. Four hours and sixteen minutes. Okay, not bad. Not bad. I mean, that's it's a lot of time on your phone, but but your that's your job. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, it's my job. Come on, Jen. This is not true. Jen, are you serious? Jen on our live chat says 10 hours, 45 minutes. Come on, Jen. Are you being serious? Okay. What do I do? I ask for them. Then I start. I'm not shaming Jen. I'm not trying to shame her. I'm just more than anything. I'm impressed, Jen. Nick, three hours, 26 minutes. Sandra, four hours, 27 minutes. Alyssa, really? 10 hours, 19 minutes. Judy, five hours, three minutes. She's down 28% from last week. Judy, and a girl. Ooh. Does that have something to do? Does that maybe have something to do with the sun shining outside? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe the tulips and daffodils popping up. Sam, have you found yours? Have you tracked? I have. Okay, where and, are you at? Mine was, mine surprised me how low it was. Okay. One hour, 13 minutes. Oh, wow. So one hour, 13 minutes. Clearly not working hard enough. <laughs> For what we're just pay- not on my phone. For what we're paying him, not this working is hard. <laughs> something that's that, that comes up at home a lot, and and maybe this is just even the fact that there's like three years between us. But if I want to shop for something online or read an article in depth, like I I open up a laptop. Okay. And Kelly does everything on her phone. She buys okay. everything on her phone. She reads everything on her phone, and it's just you know we're reading the same things just in two completely different platforms. Fair enough. Drum roll. Michelle's is... No, actually, I'm feeling great. Real talkers, you have made me feel accepted and okay. Or maybe you've just enabled me. Maybe you're creating a monster. I don't know. But uh, uh, Michelle, 639. Blind Melon, 737. Seven hours, 37 minutes on average. Chad down at two hours, nine minutes. Semper Fi, 12 hours and 15 minutes a day. Now, some of you are saying, hey, hang on, though. Like, I I stream Real Talk on my phone. So that's... so. You get a pass. What we'll do when we really start killing it is we'll start paying people streaming costs when we really start. Like when we're like Jeff Bezos killing it. I was trying to think of someone that's like less polarizing. I was going to say, can you- who's somebody else that's like super wealthy that everybody loves? Is is a person? Is that is that does that person Dolly exist anymore? Parton. There we Dolly go. Dolly Parton. Parton. Yep. I didn't realize that she was Miley Cyrus's godmother. I had no idea when Miley Cyrus shouted her out the other night. Yeah. Five hours and 54 minutes is is my average screen time, which uh, I was somewhat shocked. That seems like a lot. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm on my phone nonstop in, in, you know, working on the show and these types of things. And and actually, I feel more OK about it than I did even 10 seconds ago or, or two minutes ago. Because of you sharing, thank you, everyone, for bringing that to the table. Nick suggests Richard Branson might be this, the, the, the rich. Oh, your face. What do I not know? Who, what's going to ruin? What did Richard Branson do? Just a bit of a creep. Seems like a bit of a. I shouldn't say that, but seems a little. Let he me, seems he seems like he acts how a lot of people would act if they had that kind of money. Yes. Is that, you know, with like <laughs> island properties full of scantily clad women and. I need to do some more. Um, I need to look into this a little bit further before I make an official statement. Oh, you see, because you're on a platform that is fair and measured and reasonable. Yeah, I'm not going to just. There you go. The reason why I wanted to talk about screen time for a second. Mike says uh, five hours, 41 minutes on average a day. 
uh, I want to make sure I pronounce this name correctly. I think it's uh, Kem in a pizzeria. Uh, five hours, 32 minutes. Genevieve, six hours, 20. You know that we spend more time on our phone uh, up over last year on average. The amount of time that we spend on Wi-Fi enabled devices has increased by 46% in the last year. 46% through the pandemic. Uh, PowerEd at PowerEd.ca is launching. They've launched this new micro course, Digital Wellness 101. If what we're talking about here is resonating with you, optimizing your time and energy is a step that you can take to improve your own digital wellness. You know, the, the average person picks up their mobile device 58 times a day. We were joking about this earlier. That seems low for me, 58 times. There should be a, a motion counter on your phone that tells you how many times you've checked it through the day. So there's a step counter and a motion uh, phone pickup counter. That's a great idea. You know, I again, speaking just as an Android user, on the same screen that I have my screen time on, it says the number of unlocks per day, which sort of translates Ooh. to the number of times you picked it up. That's a very good tool. Mine is at 73. 73 today? No, average. Oh, average, average unlocks average. per day. Average unlocks a day, 73. The micro course at powerhead.ca takes like literally two or three hours to complete. You don't even have to take a full day, let alone a full week. It's completely online, completely on demand, and you can complete it at your own time, your own pace. Also, learn more about allyship, inclusion, leadership, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all at powered.ca. The team at Friesen Brothers, believe it or not, sells more than just frozen potato skins. Although the conversation continues on Twitter, people are, there's something about these frozen potato skins that everybody's getting so excited about. I wanted to remind you that the guy, Kyle, that told me all about him, he does them on his barbecue. It's barbecuing season. Oh yeah, people are people are grilling. They're making their own garlic toast with that famous Friesen Brothers sourdough, right? How about produce? You know, have you ever grilled like zucchini on? Uh, woo, baby! And then of course there's the Alberta beef, chicken, pork, turkey, the tofu, the vegetarian and vegan options. All of it proudly showcased, available, and it has been the case for more than 65 years at the 15 Friesen Brothers across the province of Alberta. Alberta grown and Alberta owned. Also, big shout out to the team at Eden Landscaping. If you check out landscapeedmonton.ca, you'll be able to see some of the amazing work that they've done solving problems. They are problem solvers. As a matter of fact, I personally am talking to Mike at Eden right now about a drainage problem that we have in our yard. We've had people look at it before. We've tried things before. They haven't worked. Mike tells me, I've got a couple ideas. It's what they're all about. They take your dreams or your problems and they fix them. They make them reality. Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. And finally, a shout out to our friends at Grand Dog Essentials. How's the pup doing today? Pup looking good? Pup is happy. Bit of a jump in the step. Yep. We always play fetch every morning before I come into the studio. What? What time do you get up at? Well, if I don't do it, we have have a contract being arranged. Yeah. So So Ranger says you're okay to leave for the day so long as you don't just feed me and forget about me yeah we gotta go for a good session of fetch there you go it's all part of responsible pet ownership and responsible pet ownership starts at granddog.ca quality raw food that ranger eats in the hoyles house that moses and monroe eat in the jesperson house all based on the advice from their in-house nutritionists your dog has an issue with their guts and you see evidence of it all over the lawn sorry i couldn't help myself 
Grand Dog will deliver to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Southern Alberta a solution. Try quality raw food and use the promo code REALTALK, saving 10% off your first-time order. Tomorrow's show is going to be a good one. We're going to get to more of your emails. Of course, we're hoping to hear from a whole bunch of you with trash talk to talk at ryanjesperson.com. We're going to get into crypto. What the hell is Elon Musk up to? Plus, are we going barriers in sport? We Our sure roundtable, looking forward to it. What stood in the way of you or somebody else from accessing sport? Number of different angles we'll explore on Real Talk. We'll talk to you then. The good old-